honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on the Paladino Live Network. And now, your host, Paladino Joey. Hello again, Timberwolves fans. Are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Timberwolves Explosion is available on all your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to this show. If you'd like it on a certain podcasting app that it isn't right now, maybe just check with me on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever. Uh, you'll see all the information in the show description, and we'll talk about those and fan interaction and all that good stuff. Thank you for downloading and listening to this show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today, as this is the annual granddaddy of them all, State of the Timberwolves 2022. It's showtime! That's right, here we are, ready to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves and, of course, putting a bow on the 2021-2022 season in the first segment. Second segment, we'll be looking at the future, of course, draft and free agency conversation, preview and all that good stuff. And segment number three, fan interaction. Other than that, from here on, after this episode, off-season shows are typically two segments, but this is the annual granddaddy of them all. We'll see just how long this is. And, of course, piecing things together, recording different segments on different days, just because doing it all in one setting doesn't usually work out as good as it could because obviously the information changes here and there and this and that and of course the season's already over so why sit and wait until the last second to cram it all in one weekend or one one night or something that'd be pretty crazy minnesota timberwolves well things were already getting back on track in terms of the whole you know rescheduling this and that and stuck in your division like in hockey and all that all the different bubbles and such are starting really late like december november january in hockey's case pretty crazy you got this. Uh, you got the 82 season, 82 game season back, and all that good stuff. You're starting in the third week of October again. Life is good. Life is better at the very least. Minnesota Timberwolves had a three and one preseason, beating New Orleans, Denver, the Clippers, and losing to Brooklyn in the finale. Open things up with an awful, sappy, and crappy Houston Rockets club in Target Center. Minnesota Timberwolves win pretty comfortably, 124 to 106. And, of course, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell all over 20 points in this one. Josh Kogi, so you'll notice the starting lineup is going to change dramatically throughout the season. Of course, Chris Finch's first shot uh, for the full-time head coaching position, of course. You know, getting you know getting to be here for the entire season. See how things turn out. And it turned out pretty well with the Wolves winning 46 games. Jaden McDaniels was your starting power forward. Josh Kogi starting small forward, or was it a Kogi the power forward? Rebounding well, they combined for nine rebounds, both of them. Carl uh, Anthony Towns had a 30-20 effort, 30 to t- a 30 and 20 effort with two blocks, two steals, and two assists. Pretty cool. Anthony Edwards with 29 points, as well. Starting at shooting guard, you'll see him move from shooting guard to small forward and such throughout the season, kind of back and forth. And D'Angelo Russell also a respectable 22 points in only 24 and a half minutes, six of 16 from the floor. Not all that good. Jordan McLaughlin, who you'll hear quite a bit of during the course of the season, actually played quite a few minutes, wasn't all that spectacular in the game, only attempting three shots in about 19 minutes, and Jared Vanderbilt with only 15 minutes, kind of like the 10th man, the 10th ranked guy with minutes in this game. And again, things will change during the course of the season. You even got to see McKinley Wright play 
and Jake Lehman, guys like that. Leandro Balmero got to play in the game. Jalen Noel played five and a half minutes, which, uh, you know, at times he would get many more and have some wonderful, wonderful performances. Also, uh, Malik Beasley coming off the bench. As he'd go in the starting lineup, come off the bench, the starting lineup, but mostly a sixth man during the course of the season. And funny how Patrick Beverly also had a league suspension going into this one and all that, thanks to the whole situation with uh, Chris Paul in the Western Conference Finals before when the Suns put the, put the you-know-what on the Clippers in that series. Unfortunately, this time around, the Dallas Mavericks end up putting the whoop on the, uh, which I talked about in the last episode, on the uh, Phoenix Suns in the, in the second round conference semis, unfortunately. What a comfortable win for the Wolves, thankfully. Not the prettiest thing ever, but at least a comfortable win. And again, letting you know about the timing and the situation of this segment. This is the, uh, again, the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors have played one game in the NBA Finals at the time of this recording. The next segment, the finals will be over, most likely, as we'll be talking about the draft. And, yeah, we'll actually talk about the NBA Finals a bit. We'll actually have a segment 1.5 thrown in to talk about the NBA Finals. So that one, actually, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fluent as to when that one will be recorded. So whenever the series ends, I'll do a segment 1.5. That's a new tradition I started years ago. So this could be like an all wall-to-wall Timberwolves episode, this and that. Uh, Timberwolves again beat New Orleans to go 2-0 into the season and then lost the second time around. 96-89 with the win in target center and then a loss. So the Wolves hosted New Orleans twice in target center, eliminating both games really early in the season. At least the Wolves didn't get swept by New Orleans this year. It was two years ago the Wolves crushed the Pelicans. Last year the Pelicans crushed the Wolves. And then this year, kind of a bit of a split moving around. This and that. Brandon Ingram with 27 points starting in the game to lead the Pelicans with the win. This is the Pelicans' victory. Carlton Towns 32, Anthony Edwards 28. DeAndre Russell, just a bit of a hot and cold all the time, only nine points in the game. I'm not going to go over every single game, but it's just generally speaking, curiosity, seeing how things went with all these players and all these all the different changes during the course of the season. Starting lineup was the same in the win versus the Pelicans. Starting lineup, the same in the loss. Also, if I saw that correctly, <laughs> as uh, that felt nice. Yep, that felt nice getting it done. Patrick Beverly, of course, entering the lineup and getting significant minutes. But notice Patrick Beverly not starting in the first few games of this season. As things would change again with a pretty darn good lineup that would last a long time for Minnesota and have some historical numbers for a, for a while. Wolves play the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. End up actually beating the Milwaukee Bucks, which had a lot of us feeling like a million dollars. We beat the Bucks and felt like a million bucks. Okay, I said dollars. So, yeah, I didn't get too crazy. D'Angelo Russell would lead the way in this one. Starting lineup changes. We have a starting lineup change. Josh Kogi, who just kind of kept vanishing off the face of the earth. In the games he would play, do a whole lot of nothing. And Jared Vanderbilt ends the, enters the starting lineup. That's a major change. With 13 rebounds and 10 points in about 30 and a half minutes. So that was a turning point there. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell all over 20 again. D'Angelo with 29. Carl and Anthony Edwards with 25 apiece. But major change in that one was when Jared Vanderbilt would enter the starting lineup and not really relinquish it the rest of the year. Only with injuries interrupting him. Josh Akoge, yeah, the last game around, played about 11 and a half minutes and had one point and missed all of his shots. Just made one of four free throws. was awful. And Jared Vanderbilt only played eight and a half minutes and had a turnover 
Isn't that crazy? So it's like, okay, what are we doing? You know, that was basically, you know, this was in the loss of the Pelicans. That was when Chris Finch first was like, okay, come, okay, something ain't right here. Made the change, and we beat the Bucks despite uh, the Greek freak, Giannis, going off for 40. That's pretty impressive. Wolves lose in a close fashion. Typical Denver Nuggets game with the Wolves at times. Very close game. This one low scoring. Nikola Jokic, the defending MVP, and now back-to-back -back MVP, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> with 26 and 19, of course, our current ad, our, our current president of basketball operations drafted Nikola Jokic in the second round for the Denver Nuggets. That, again, would be Tim Conley. Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns all get 14 points apiece in the game. Kind of weird. Anthony Edwards led the way with 11 rebounds. Jared Vanderbilt only 6-6. Six six. Jade McDaniels remaining in the starting lineup, but the numbers just continue to drop and drop and drop. Beasley, against his former club, actually had the lead lead uh, amount of points at 18. Again, I don't want to go over every single game, but it's just it's just interesting to see the lineups changing during the course of the season. But uh, Vanderbilt, that's when he took over. The Wolves just started losing like crazy at this point. And then you start wondering, okay, so what's going on? I thought we were going to be a little better. What the hell? Wolves end up losing a total of six games in a row, starting with that Denver game. He loses to the Magic in pretty awful fashion. 115-97. Lose to the Clippers, which we always do for whatever reason. 126-115, and then a demolition derby in Target Center. And again, these were both in Target Center with the Clippers, which, I don't know, it's still a little bit of that COVID scheduling stuff where you kind of keep teams together, but it seemed like as the year progressed, that stuff started to go away a little bit. We'd actually play the Clippers three times in the span of about a week from the third to the, well, 10 days, a 10-day span, and lose all of them. Yeah, we lost every bleeping one of them. Isn't that great? Yeah, no, it's not. But yeah, 115.97 to the Magic. That was schmucky to start out the month of November as cleanup season was in tow, and for me, and it was a lot of fun. Not. Starting lineup remained the same. Remained the same. Not remained it, but it remained the same. And Patrick Beverly, already with his first injury of the year, injury situation, missed that game. Cole Anthony with 31 off the bench. Obviously, again, wonderful player for the, bra uh, the Denver Nuggets at one point now with the Orlando Magic with the trade. Taking place, Franz Wagner with 28 points in the game. Enough to drive people crazy. Moritz Wagner, a heck of a lot less. The former Michigan star player. And Gary Harris, who's always hurt as well. Markel Foltz recovering from the ACL because it takes 15 years to recover from ACLs in the NBA. Remember? It's like any player that has an ACL in the NBA, they come back like like they're not even... They, most of the time, they're not the same player because it's been like two freaking years. Like they're, they're older and they're not the same and they're rusty and stuff. Kind of dumb. I don't know. It shouldn't take that long, should it? Okogi re-enters the starting lineup and does absolutely nothing in 12 minutes. Isn't that fun? Anthony Edwards continuing solid play with 24, but the Wolves got their asses handed to them by the Orlando schmucks. Come on, guys. In Target Center, too. It's one thing we always seem to lose in Florida, like Miami. Somehow, for some reason, we beat Miami sometimes. We never win in Orlando. Ever. The only times we beat the Magic is when they had Shaq. Yep, yep. Yeah, when they had Shaq, we would beat them. And then otherwise, it's like Orlando just owns us forever and all eternity. Doesn't make any sense at all. It just doesn't. 126-115, should we go into that one? Maybe not right now. Ah, what the hell? 104-84 was just a lifeless, awful uh, game. It's the Clippers on the 5th of November. Carl Anthony Towns is the only guy to reach 20. Beasley always seems to play well against the Clippers at 18. Patrick Beverly, Patrick Patricia Beverly, would enter the starting lineup during the course of this time against his former club. Let's see if it was the game before here, because I jumped ahead. 
because I do like to look at the lineups. And yes, that was when Patrick Beverly under the lineup. It was the first time we played the Clippers. So that's your lineup change. And then Josh Kogi re-entered the starting lineup. Why? Why? I don't know. I guess matchups or something. But it didn't, it didn't work out that well, did it? Because we got our asses handed to us both times around. Thanks, Josh, for entering the starting lineup. Boy, what a difference maker. Okay, sorry. I'm just, I just wasn't happy. That was on the third, then on the fifth. Josh Jacoby back out of the starting lineup. And it's like, okay, Torian Prince, here's your chance. You get to start. And we lose by 20 at home, scoring only 84 points. So, okay, so what do we do next time around? And I don't blame a coach for wanting to change things around, especially when things are going that terribly. Uh, an entertaining game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, just like this whole the whole series was during the course of the season and in the postseason. Wolves have dropped to 3-6, and six, 125-118 loss to a very good Memphis team that I did pick to win the division. And they wound up having a great season. Ja Morant with only 33 points in the game. DeAndre Russell with 30. Not a harbinger of things to come when it came to our friend D'Angelo Russell. Not a harbinger of things to come. Oh, no. It, it's it's just not. It, it's it, No, it's, it's not a harbinger of things to come whatsoever with uh, D'Angelo Russell versus the Memphis Grizzlies. But, okay, it was a harbinger of things to come in the regular season. We all know what that means. It means he did well in the regular season, and here come the playoffs, and he did a Minnesota Wild. He did a Twins. He did a Timberwolves. He did a Vikings. It doesn't matter which Minnesota team it is, unless it's the 91 or 87 Twins. They all go belly up and stop playing for whatever brief and reason. Not all of them, but certain players, certain valuable pieces who, who did well for whatever reason in this matchup or that matchup, they wind up not, you know, they wind up, <laughs> they wind up letting you down when it matters in the postseason. You know, when these games really matter, and you could get eliminated. Jared, Jared Vanderbilt, only 11 minutes. Kind of strange. And then you had uh, Jade McDaniels re-entering the starting lineup and blah, blah, blah. In fact, I guess he was pretty much in it most of the way here. And Anthony Edwards would play small forward and get 27. But an entertaining loss. Entertaining loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. We had quite a few of those in the postseason, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. And I'm not trying to be mean. Golden State, 123-110, loss. Yep, these were all the, that six-game losing streak that opened up the season. Andrew Wiggins would get 35. Anthony Edwards with 48 points, but it wasn't a great game. 48 points for Anthony Edwards versus his counterpart. Andrew Wiggins, both playing small forward. It was an interesting, can you top this type of game? But unfortunately, the stinky, nasty, hopefully not world champion Warriors would uh, get the job done and win the game. Ugh, I hate the Warriors. And yes, when you're listening to this show, you know who the world champion is, and I hope it's not the Warriors, but of course, we'll talk about that in segment 1.5, and after that and such, probably bring up some, just you'll hear about them in other segments as well in this episode. Just going to keep saying, go Celtics when it comes to that. Wolves end the losing streak, and I had a feeling it would happen this way. For some reason, just the Lakers, just there's something funny about them. And I had a bad feeling about this Lakers team going into the season, and it pretty much lived up to exactly what I was expecting. And there is your starting lineup. That would have historic numbers during the course of the season. It would have great uh, great efficiency, great win-loss record throughout the course of the season. Carl Anthony Towns at center, D'Angelo Russell at guard, at point guard, Patrick Beverly at, well, it, it was kind of both. They both kind of were point shooting, they both were point guards and shooting guard. D'Angelo Russell it, it kind of didn't matter. They combined for 11 assists, but this is the first time ever, not that they were together, but they were also together with Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Edwards to go with Carl Anthony Towns. There is your, just just like the grief line with the Minnesota Wild, the numbers were historically great together. 
unbelievable record with those guys together. They're plus minus and all that. That's a hockey term. But also plus minus and efficiency with this club, with this group of uh, players, was phenomenal all season. Even though Jerry Vanderbilt played the least amount of minutes and didn't have great numbers. But still, overall, wonderful performance. And former Timberwolf Wayne Rain Ellington at six points. Starting, starting in the game. Anthony Davis, who would play about five games this year. Russell Westbrook, who'd make about five shots this year. I know. It's just, it was extremely disappointing no matter how you look at it. Because if you like the game of basketball and you want to see the team, you, you want to see good quality basketball when they put a, a group of players together and they play like crap, it's, it's kind of disappointing. Sorry. Um, old NBA jam who can barely shoot anymore. Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench and LeBron James was inactive in the game. Wolves win comfortably, 107-83, and end a six-game losing streak to get to four and six. Little did we know what a frustrating season it would be for the L.A. Lakers. And I had a feeling it was going to turn out this way. You go into L.A., into Staples Center, and you're going to have a two-step with the Lakers and Clippers in the same building. I had a feeling it was going to be we'd beat the Lakers and get beat by the Clippers. I think I was right. 129-102, Clippers. Yowza, yowza. <laughs> this is the annihilation of common sense. Yeah, about as much fun as running sandpaper across your face. Just that was about how much fun it was. I don't know, running sandpaper across something that hurts, something like that. Um, the Wolves didn't beat their bench in the game and whatever. It didn't matter. It was just an awful night. Cool start for the starting lineup the first game, but little do we know how wonderful that starting lineup, how wonderful their success rate would be during the course of the season. Because obviously it was an interesting introduction. You beat a depleted Laker team. You get absolutely destroyed by the Clippers right after that, so you're not sure what to think. Then you lose to the Suns in a back-and-forth epic fashion. Good defense by both clubs, believe it or not. Yes, Phoenix actually plays defense once in a while. They certainly didn't back in the old days. The old days of the uh, the early 90s with the Warriors and uh, the Warriors and the Suns. It was a great, 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 great series, but there wasn't a whole lot of defense, though. And that's why Michael Jordan averaged about 40 points a game in that series. Even though nobody can really stop Michael... But the uh, the Suns really, really, really couldn't stop Michael because that defense was awful. Wolves lose by three. Let's keep moving. Nothing too spectacular other than Carl getting 35 and the lineup staying the same for quite a while. Comfortable win versus uh, the Sacramento Kings. Wolves had a great season versus Sacramento, honestly. And unfortunately, Luke, Luke, Luke was, uh, <laughs> Luke, I'm your father. Come on now, you can do better. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bill Walton. I, I, I don't know if I can do him a little better. Luke, you can do better. I'm your father. So what you got to do is... Okay, never mind. Teach them how to pass the ball. Some horrible passes out there. Okay, sorry. Um, yes, unfortunately, Luke would not uh, hold on to his job during the course of the season. Unfortunately for him, Luke Walton, of course, former Laker and son of Bill Walton. Wolves would win comfortably. We have 26 for Anthony Edwards, and the starting lineup would remain the same for quite a while outside of injuries. Wolves would destroy the Spurs 115-90, and it feels so nice to be on the winning end of these. With all those years, the Spurs would torture the Timberwolves and almost like rub it in our face. Those late-game three-pointers like the Golden State Warriors do, you're up by 20, and you're still hurling threes. It's like, dick. You know, I, I hated watching that crap, but, uh, well... Sometimes you get to be on the winning end of some of that. The Wolves have win comfortably versus the Spurs. Try to keep moving here and uh, approach the 500 record finally again. He beat Memphis. There's the historic game. 
that got everybody really excited. It was the widest margin of victory in eons. 138 and was the widest margin of victory during the season. 138-95. Memphis would actually have an, an unbelievable game where they'd actually have the most points in a single game in regulation, like getting into the 150s, which is off the charts craziness. Uh, Memphis was up and down and kind of weird during the early stages of the season until they got a lot stronger later on, only to lose to the uh, Golden State freaking Warriors in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. So, woohoo. 138-95, to a very fun night for the Wolves as we just rolled all over this club and emptied the bench. Jake Lehman would play eight minutes and get a rebound. Great. Um, Nathan Knight wound up with three assists with six points and three rebounds. Kind of cool. The guy's got a little value to him, doesn't he? DeAngelo Russell actually led the Wolves to 28 in that one. But the Wolves' wonderful historic lineup would uh, stand up strong again. But DeAngelo Russell, you'll keep noticing, led the Wolves in scoring versus the Grizzlies. Streaky, streaky club here. Six-game losing streak, five-game win streak. Wolves got to one, uh, seven and nine. Then you beat New Orleans. We actually beat the Pelicans. It was a back and forth with them during the course of the season. Tomlins would have 28, and the Wolves would get to 8-9. Similar to the Vikings record, yay. I think you want to aim higher than, than that, though. 8-9, wonderful, right? Wolves end up winning the game, kind of, again, kind of a total team effort type of night where the Wolves have went comfortably for the, uh, yet another victory, 8-9, and then beat the Miami Heat in a very, very fun, entertaining night, 113-101. The Wolves would get to 500. This was the bleep be fake, that that bleep be fake when Jimmy Butler was kind of confronting Anthony Edwards, and Anthony wound up with 33 points. It was a fun, fun night for Wolves fans, uh, and Anthony Edwards kind of had some statements to the crowds and everything, and not, not too much trash talk, just more of like, yeah, we got this. It was kind of along those lines. I really appreciate Anthony Edwards' energy and what he did in this game and how he got motivated down the stretch more than ever to say, no, this is our, it was something along the lines of this is our house, you know, basically. Like you, you're not going to come in here and push us around, Jimmy Butler. Basically, you're fake. Get the hell out of here. Uh, Anthony Edwards basically doubled Jimmy Butler's efforts. Yeah, and he, and he did. 33 points to 16. Nice, nice butt kicking overall for the Western or Eastern Conference finalists who lost at home to the Boston Celtics, which made me feel pretty happy, actually. I'd much rather see the Celtics in the finals. I think they had a better chance versus the Golden State Warriors at the end of the day, but a very fun, entertaining game nonetheless in the month of November. On November the 24th, leading into Thanksgiving, that was, uh, what do they call that, Drinksgiving. Woohoo. The Wolves must have done some Drinksgivings or something, because we got whooped by Charlotte. And again, we all that's another one of those weird teams, one of those weird locations where the Wolves always struggle. Uh, on the road, no matter what the season is, no matter who's on either roster, the Wolves seem to always struggle in Charlotte. That's just been one of those things that's been on my mind forever. 133 to 115, because I remember that going back, way back into the early days of Marbury Garnett. Um, and I, of course, go even back further than that. Of course, that team was really tough, though, before before Marbury Garnett, when you had LJ and Alonzo together. That was a really, really difficult team to beat. And they made in the postseason early on, even advanced early, early, way back in like 92-93 they advanced past the first round basically knocking the Celtics off for good back when McHale was the last you know <laughs> well, Robert Parrish was still there but it felt like he was past his prime for about 10 years there, Robert Parrish McHale was nearing the end of his career and that ended up being his last game as that was basically the end of the remaining 80s Celtics vibe basically still kind of hanging on when that Hornets team knocked them out 
Wolves would actually beat Philly the next night after getting pounded 133-115 to Charlotte. 121 to 120 win over the bullied mean over the bully mean Philadelphia 76ers who were underachieving. Both clubs would jump up to 10 and 10. And it went to double overtime. This was the night when it looked like the Wolves were going to choke it away with guys getting fouled out and things just not going our way. Jared Vanderbilt follows out. Jade McDaniels follows out. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns follows out. And the Wolves still hang in there. Guys like Nas Reed kind of took charge and got the job done down the stretch. Along with D'Angelo Russell hitting some clutch shots. Anthony Edwards, who wasn't shooting well, but would have some big moments and get the job done. And it made you feel pretty freaking cool. We finally beat the freaking Philadelphia uh, 76ers and in Philadelphia with Embiid. Yep, and Embiid had returned to the Sixers after being out since forever and had 42 points and made a billion free throws because they were calling everything on Wolves and it felt like felt like, felt like a 6 on 5 out there with the refs or whatever, 8 on 5, whatever you want to say. It was pretty frustrating, but end of the day, Wolves end up surviving and showed a little mental toughness to get to 10 and 10. So at least we're hovering around 500 was during the course of the uh, year, Wolves would gradually get better and better and move above 500. 198 win over Indy as we continue to move forward into December. Everything felt good, and then another five-game losing streak. Another five-game losing streak, which again tells you how good the Wolves played later on in the season in the second half. Five-game losing streak. We always lose in Charlotte, uh, Washington. We sometimes beat Brooklyn, but that was a loss. Uh, 115-107 to Washington, 110 to uh, Brooklyn, 110 to 105, pardon me. Atlanta, that was an awful game. We've had a lot of awful games versus the Atlanta Hawks. That was the third loss in a row at that stage. They nailed us from the outside, hitting three after three. Trey Lee Young and Danilo Gallinari, who always seems to beat us. Uh, Malik Beasley, 24 off the bench, but in a losing effort, unfortunately, for the local the local five, which is you like to see. Leandro Bomero was in the starting lineup because uh, Mr. D'Angelo Russell was inactive, and that certainly didn't help either. And there was no Patrick Beverly. Just a weird situation. Guys getting hurt, and things would fall apart very quickly. D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly both out of the lineup. So a very difficult situation in the backcourt, as the Wolves would lose. Again, like I said, five in a row, unfortunately, due to these crappy situations. To try to move quickly here, I apologize. Uh, the 136-104 demolition derby loss. At home versus Utah. First place Utah team who would gradually get weaker during the course of the season and the Wolves kept getting better. Donovan Mitchell with 36. And that's just all. Let's just move on. Don't want to talk about that too much. It's depressing and stupid. 123-106 uh, lost prior to me to the Cavs. Wolves would end up beating the Cavs later in the year. Thankfully, things would improve. But not a very entertaining night at all. Jarrett Allen leading the way with a 21-10 type of night. And then another three-game winning, no, four-game winning streak. It's just, I don't know, the streakiness of this team is definitely something, isn't it? Beating Portland in Portland. A depleted, weird Blazers lineup. You don't know who's there anymore. Larry Nance, Nasir Little, uh, Nurkic, Norman Powell, and Damian Lillard actually played in the game. Future Timberwolf Damian Lillard, or future Laker, who knows. That would be an improvement for Vince's club there. Vince and Stu and some of the others as well that are Laker fans from Australia. Anthony Simons, Simmons Simons, with 26 off the bench. He actually played great. I still remember that. And Ben McLemore, who occasionally shows up about two or three games a year with 15 points. Very highly touted top five draft pick in the past that sucked. Didn't do, didn't do jack, basically. Maybe had a moment or two here and there. 
but a comfortable, solid win versus the Blazers. When, well, not comfortable, but a solid win on the road. Comfortable win in Denver, which really made us feel better. Uh, and Denver dropped a 500. Wolves only two games under at this stage. Uh, definitely a bit of a back and forth for a little bit, but the Wolves would pull away. Anthony Edwards a 38. Carl a 32. Felt so damn good watching that. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody loved that. Uh, that's when you thought maybe, just maybe, this team would have an above 500 type of year and we would be in a fifth seed or second seed, not second seed, but like seventh seed or something like that during the course of the year. Another easy win versus the Lakers, 110-92, and more injuries that plagued them as uh, Mr. Uh, Anthony Davis would have a hamstring situation coming up. and It's just one thing after another with the guy. One injury after another, LeBron James would play and not be all that great. Nobody was that good. Isaiah Thomas had come back. <laughs> not the same, not the Pistons one, but the guy who played for the the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Celtics, and blah, 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 and the Lakers now 19 points for him. Guys, uh, again, a lot of lineups are depleted due to COVID this, COVID that, health and safety. You know, you see guys coming back like Joe Johnson, 40-year-old Joe Johnson with the Celtics, playing a game or two. It's kind of cool uh, to see that happen, but a comfortable win by the Wolves. Beasley would enter the starting lineup due to our COVID situation. No Anthony Edwards. That was devastating, but at least you got to, uh, Wolves would hang on and be okay versus the Lake Show. Or the lack of Lake Show. I don't know. But the Wolves would actually get a win versus Dallas. A tough matchup historically, but the Wolves pulled away nicely in the fourth quarter in that one. And finally got back to 500. 15 and 15. And no Anthony Edwards still in that one. Beasley would fill in nicely at small forward despite being a that's a tiny lineup when you consider Be uh, Russell, Beverly, and Beasley. But the Wolves get the job done against a very guard-friendly uh, Dallas team, despite the fact that Porzingis is a tall son of a gun before he get traded to Washington. Talk about that some other time. Maybe later in this uh, segment, we'll see. The Wolves would then lose in Dallas. I, I predicted that. We'd win at home and lose in Dallas. Not a huge surprise. Another loss in Utah, 128-116. Boston. The Wolves actually beat the Boston Celtics this season in Target Center. I know when they went to Boston, they put the whoop-ass on us. And at this stage, the Boston Celtics, again, very historical team this season, one way or another. Uh, very, very big fixture being at least an Eastern Conference champion, if not world champion. It's a big deal that we beat them. Um, but definitely, you know, the lineup wasn't all there, this and that strange situations, and of course there have been some trades and such. There would be trades later on. No Tatum, no Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Schro I guess he is Schroeder. Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder. It isn't Schroeder. That's a different guy. Uh, Josh Richardson, who'd been on like 17 teams now. <laughs> Never on the Wolves, though. Uh, no D'Angelo Russell, no Carlton E. Towns, no Jared Vanderbilt. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah this is during the outbreak, basically, and that's when you saw guys... Um, that's when you saw guys from God knows where entering the lineup. Carlo, or excuse me, Chris Silva. Chris Silva. Rajon Tucker. Guys like that were in the Wolves lineup. They actually, most of them didn't play. Nathan Knight would start at center, though. 20 and 11. And four points. So our four assists, pardon me, and a block and a steal. So Kevin Garnett, like numbers, in about 30 minutes. Pretty cool. Jordan McLaughlin with 10 assists. Both of these clubs. We're definitely COVID-laden, despite how you may feel about the reaction to all of it. Yeah, these guys were out uh, with it one way or another, and uh, it was quite funny. Wolves ended up winning 108-103. So we didn't really beat the Celtics, but we kind of did. Given the fact they had Jalen Brown, did the Celtics 
So, and Al Horford. Again, guys that really helped the Celtics get to the NBA Finals. And then you lose to the bleeping Knicks, but whatever. I mean, Hulu still had a lot of guys out. Knicks had guys out as well, but uh, not not nearly the same as the Wolves situation. Julius Randle, guys like that still played. It wasn't even a good game at all by the by the New York Knicks, but they still beat the Wolves in a low-scoring effort in 96-88. Sounds like a Tom Thibodeau was coaching them. <laughs> so, kind of entertaining. And then another ass-whoop into the Utah Jazz, 120-108. Really frustrating as we headed into the new year. And we brought in, the, brought in the new year, actually losing to the Lakers. We lost in Los Angeles. Yikes. And then we beat the Clippers the next game. It's like, okay. It's like one of those like one of those magic spells or machines or something that switched souls. That's kind of like what happened during the course of things here. The, the Lakers actually played well and won versus the Wolves. And LeBron James started at center. A la Magic Johnson, 1980 versus the <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers in game six to end up closing things out, where they didn't even have to go to a seventh game, did the Lakers. Closed things out and got it done with no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, this and that. Uh, that was a really good Philadelphia team, by the way, that uh, Magic ended up beating, starting at center. So LeBron started at center, just like Magic Johnson. The Wolves ended up not winning that game. Kind of entertaining to see. Nas Reed starting at center because Carl would miss a decent amount of games during the course of the season again, but at least not as bad as last year. Definitely his worst year in terms of injuries was last year. One thing after another with the wrists and such with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and he was, yeah, inactive and returning to competition. He was one of those guys that, yeah, I, I don't know, um, didn't react well to COVID-19 um, as somebody else, that kind of thing. Either that or he was just not interested in messing with it, that kind of thing. Carl Anthony Towns obviously had been through a lot with all that. Of course, we'll leave that where it is. Uh, but Nas Reed would play well, and the Wolves would beat the Clippers. Anthony Edwards, who had returned to the lineup, along with Jared Vanderbilt. 28 points for Anthony Edwards. That was always a wonderful vibe, wonderful feeling there. I'm trying to move a little faster here. The Wolves would beat OKC, who we just sweep all year. 98-90, to and then 135-105. We'd get on a three-game win streak. Again, beat Houston 141-123. Lose to New Orleans 128-125. Lose at Memphis, 116-108. Again, a back-and-forth season series of those guys. And I predicted the Wolves would beat Golden State at least once or twice a year. So, 119-99, which I believe the Wolves would have a much fuller lineup here. Yes, that was the, the, the great lineup is back together again. And Jalen Noel would have some nice games as well. He actually led the Wolves at 29 versus the, the Boston Celtics a few weeks earlier. 29. He had 17 in this one. Really love Jalen Noel when he's on his game and playing well. I really, really like Jalen Noel and what he brings, and I hope he's with the Wolves for a while. I got to think somewhere. I mean, if he ends up getting traded somewhere, then he ends up being a valuable piece for that club rather than rotting at the end of the bench because he deserves to play. Uh, no Steph Curry, no Draymond Green. So, okay, yeah, we beat the Warriors with Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole basically leading the way in. Clay Thompson, it was just kind of mediocre and coming back and all that. Andre Iguodala was like 90, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, and, and Jonathan Kuminga, who's actually the other part of the Andrew Wiggins, you know, trade. He's the other factor, of course, the high draft pick. So I shouldn't be talking like the uh, the Warriors didn't didn't really, that player wasn't that exciting. He's, he's, not the, he's not a huge household name everywhere yet, but he's a valuable piece where the Wolves could have used him in our starting lineup long term. Six foot six, 210, but he's a pretty good rebounder. At the end of the day, oh, fudge knuckers. I messed something up, didn't I? Okay. 
Okay, it was just an ad. Oof. I thought I had everything messed up here. That would have sucked. Um, Wolves that beat New York won 12 to 110 on the 18th of January and then get destroyed by Atlanta the next night. One, well, not destroyed, but beat. beat. Giving up 130 points is pretty bad. 134 to 122. We'd have three games off at that stage. Kind of like a bye week or something. 136-125 epic battle versus the Brooklyn Nets in target center. Anthony Edwards with, with 25. Jalen Noel continuing his run as well as like uh, Vinnie Johnson, you know, type of guy off the bench. The microwave with 16 points. The mini microwave or the new microwave or whatever. James Harden wouldn't do a whole lot. Kyrie Irving did get 30 because it wasn't in Brooklyn. He, he can't play in Brooklyn now. He can't play in Brooklyn. He might kill the whole city, you know. He's What's, what's wrong with you, Joey? Come on. You're just terrible. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. He shouldn't play at home. Come on. Um, Portland, late in the month. Wolves would win by two against, again, a Portland team. You don't know who's there half the time. You just don't know. Uh, you know what, old what's-his-name played like 30 games this year. Anthony Edwards did have 40, and he felt great. That was pretty much the highlight of the night with Anthony Edwards playing great basketball with 40 points. I have to look at that lineup again because it looked different. Yeah, because I know guys, I mean, guys were injured off and on during the course of the season or sick or whatever. Yeah, McDaniels had re-entered the lineup. And, of course, Mr. Patrick Beverly, who would get hurt a million times this year. And you're going to have to get used to that. That's where, that's where people might say, hmm, are you sure about this... Uh, $13 million, you know, for a, for a single season for him? Yeah, well, that's where people might say that because of the injuries. Uh, lost to Golden State, not a huge shocker. Curry with 29. One of those nights where he just kept making his shots, Curry, and he kept doing his, yeah, he kept doing his antics every time he makes a shot. 134-124 in Phoenix. Not overly surprising, just a nice team effort. Wolves hung in there but weren't good enough. Jalen Noel would actually start in the game. But only 10 points and no assists. Kind of a weird night. Jalen Noel, I mean, it's just, when he's on his game, it's wonderful. But when he's not, it sucks. 126-106 win by the Wolves over the Utah Jazz. Get to get back to 500 again. It's just, the Wolves were kind of hovering around 500 forever. So again, when the Wolves finally broke loose of that, it felt like a million bucks. Jaden McDaniels with 22 off the bench. And Carlton Towns with a triple-double. 31 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists in the game. Assists in the game. Wrap up the month of Jan, on to Feb. You'd eventually have that big old all-star break of seven days off, which felt nice. Wolves would get a win streak going and finally get over four, uh, get over 500, pardon me, with a five-game win streak, starting with the Utah Jazz. Nice little month of February, honestly. The Wolves end up losing only four games in, in uh, February and won seven, no, eight. Won eight games in February. Eight and four records in the month of February, beating Denver 130-115, beating a crappy, you know, starting over Detroit team, a back-to-back -back sweep with them, which felt real nice. Torian Prince with 23 points off the bench. This must have been the Prince in the Palace, as he had some wonderful games for the Wolves around this stretch. Yeah, the Prince in the Palace. Yeah, he did really well against the Detroit, uh, yeah, the Detroit uh, Pistons. Okay, not all of them. He had one good game. In the next game, he only had two points. But he did really well for the Detroit Pistons. That must have been the day before that episode. <laughs> then he followed up with two points. Nice job. <laughs> he gets the Lone Wolf Award and then says, yep, I finally got one. 
I'm done now. I'm going to go take a seat. That's too bad. Oh, God. That's funny. But you have Denver, Detroit twice, Sacramento, and then you lose to Sacramento in the back-to-back, -back, both in Sacto. So a little losing streak starts again. A little shorter one. Hopefully, yeah, shorter one because the Wolves are finally starting to pull away here. 29-26 record at this stage. Clippers, or excuse me, Kings had already lost 36 games on the season. Killed the Wolves in the fourth quarter. 33-18 fourth quarter. And a really bad second quarter, too. Wolves gave up 42 points in that one. 30 points for Harrison Barnes. Just kind of was killing us all night. Even though the quote-unquote big three for the Wolves went 29, 26, and 21, respectively. Anthony Edwards, excuse me, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns in that order in terms of point totals. Blah, buddy, blah. Let's just keep moving. 134-122 loss at Chicago. Had a feeling this wouldn't go so well. And this is when DeMar DeRozan was looking like the league MVP at this stage. I almost think he should have got it this year. He was really awesome. An unbelievable season for DeMar DeRozan. A perfect, perfect fit for the Chicago Bulls. He was doing just about everything right. And the Bulls were starting to pull away at this stage. Unfortunately, later in the year, they would wind up with a weaker, weaker, a much weaker playoff seed than a lot of us expected. And they lost right away in the playoffs, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, it's just kind of how that goes. 35 for DeMar DeRozan. Anthony Edwards didn't get 31. Made things interesting, but the Wolves would still get pounded by the Bulls pretty good. 129-120 to complete the uh, Pacers sweep. Uh, another place the Wolves usually struggled historically was in Indiana. The Wolves did win. Uh, win versus Charlotte, 126-120. 103-91 loss to Toronto. Going to the All-Star break. Come back. Beat Memphis, 119-114. Lose to Philadelphia in demolition fashion. You just knew this was coming. Oh, after that back-and-forth crazy miss, uh, mix of uh, massive things. Harden actually made his debut with 27 points. Embiid with 34. Wolves had all the players intact, but got crushed by the... Philadelphia 76ers. Nobody would foul out. Beverly came close, and he'd have some weird, crazy moments, because that's how he is. But, um, at the end of the day, the Wolves wrap up the month with, the month of February with a win, five-play win versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, who actually had a better record than the Wolves this uh, at that stage. Pretty crazy. Russell would lead the way with 25. Or no, not bad. Wolves finished the month of February with a 33-29 and 29 record. I always like to, yeah, I think I'm, <laughs> so I apologize if I'm dragging this a little too long. 129-114 versus Golden State. So we actually did beat the Warriors twice, which was awesome. Crushed Oklahoma City, 138-101. Beat up Portland, 135-121. Absolutely obliterated Portland. Uh, again, 124-81. Whew, and <laughs> beat Oklahoma City by 30, 132-102. That's fun. You beat the Warriors, and then you beat the yeah, and then you crush Portland and and uh, Oklahoma City twice, and you go to Orlando and lose. Shocking fashion. In shocking fashion, you go to Orlando and lose. Of course, the winning streak ends in Orlando. Yeah, and then you beat Miami. We actually swept the Miami Heat this year. So uh, again, no Jimmy Butler in this one. So no no shit be fake basically. Pardon my French. Uh, Anthony Edwards didn't have to confront uh, Jimmy Butler in this one. That was in the early one. The Wolves end up sweeping the Heat. Tyler Hero with 30. But other than that, the Wolves got the job done with a total team effort. Uh, nobody got 20 points in the game for the Wolves, but it was kind of a little bit of everything from everybody, including good, solid defense, keeping the Heat down to 104. And, of course, Jimmy Butthead not playing in the game didn't help. The Wolves went from a team that was 
hovering around 500 all year to being nine games above 500 with this little Florida two-step situation. The Wolves end up uh, uh, splitting 39 to 30 record, 39 and 30 record, nine games above 500 thanks to these nice little win streaks and lessening the losing streaks <laughs> afterwards. The Wolves would go on yet another winning streak. It would ultimately be a four-game win streak after beating the Heat. You know, the Heat started it, basically. 149-139, weird game. Almost 300 points scored in this game. In fact, 290. 90, you know, what am I talking about? Am I crazy? No. 288 points scored in the game. 288 points scored in the game. Unbelievable. Carl Anthony Towns with a 60-point game. That's right, 60-point game for Carl Anthony Towns. It was one of those where I had to catch up on. I'm getting in the car. It's early in the fourth quarter, late in the third. Carl already had 50. And it's like, okay, well, that's a career high, and it's going to keep going, isn't it? And it did. Carl Anthony Towns with 60 freaking points, all-time record for the Minnesota Timberwolves, scored in a game. And, you know, you get rid of the whole Corey Brewer, uh, Mo Williams, and uh, uh, Derek Rose being the only guys to get to that range where, like, holy crap, like, that's the best game ever by a Timberwolf. Yeah, that was all laid to rest with Carl Anthony Towns, a franchise player at the time, that he got it. <laughs> yep, finally a franchise player, because Garnett never usually went off for crazy numbers like that, never reached 50 points in the game. I think his career high was 43 versus Sacramento. Um, Carl Anthony Towns winds up at 60 versus a weird Spurs team with Josh Richardson in the lineup. Josh Richardson, uh, all he has to do is go to Houston, and he's been to all the Texas teams. DeJounte Murray with 30. With the Spurs helping them stay in the game, along with Keldon, Richard, or Keldon Johnson, pardon me, 34 points. Again, don't forget that the Spurs scored 139, which kind of irked some fans and Chris Finch. Like, really, 139? Like, can't we enjoy this win? But Can't we enjoy this unbelievable night by Carl Anthony Towns? Play a little effing defense, guys. Come on. Jeez, you almost let them catch up and win. Wouldn't that be horrible? But, uh, yep, that was the high of the year. Jason Tatum, hopefully future world champion Jason Tatum, with 61 last season. And, uh, yeah, pretty damn cool. I'm not trying to one-up Carl Anthony Towns. I'm just saying that was the last time a guy had scored 60 points in a game. And it, it felt like a million dollars. It really did. Like, well-deserving all-star player Carl Anthony Towns. Well-deserving third-team All-NBA. And now here comes the money. Watch out. <laughs> Wolves would beat the Lakers. Wolves would sweep the Milwaukee freaking Bucks. Beat the Lakers by 20. Sweep the Bucks, 138 and 119. That was amazing. That was awesome. Um, again, not the most exciting game ever. And, of course, guys were out. You got to see uh, the Greek Freak's brother, the little freak. I guess the younger freak. Thanasis. That is a cool name. Thanasis. Thanasis. The great warrior Thanasis fought for Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Babylon. Okay, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it sounds more like, but no, I said Nebuchadnezzar. That's Babylon. That's not uh, Greece. I'm sorry. I am stupid and idiotic and stuff. The Wolves to lose two in a row, Dallas and Phoenix. We never beat the frickin' Suns or the frickin' Mavericks, except at home we beat them. We never win there. 116.95, home victory versus the Dallas Mavericks. Late in the month of March, Wolves now 11 freaking games above 500. It's like, it's about time, isn't it? Isn't it nice? Like, we have a winning record again. We're going to the playoffs, and da-da-da-da-da. It just felt so nice. Torian Prince, Jordan McLaughlin. This is when McLaughlin really started to show 
Like, yeah, he is. He's not only a good backup point guard, he's a great backup point guard. And led Trent Tucker late in the year to say, you know, if you want to get rid of DeAngelo Russell, you know, Jordan McLaughlin should start for this team full-time. And it's like, ah, uh, Trent Tucker, the guy who played all those years in the NBA and with the Gophers just said Jordan McLaughlin should be a starting point guard in the NBA? Mm, I don't know. Maybe in a Derek Fisher type of role. Because Fisher wasn't like, you know, he was starting and all that, and he played significant minutes, but it wasn't like he was one of the absolute leaders of a team type of thing. More of a de facto starter who could hit big clutch shots, though, at times and drive people nuts, which I think uh, Jordan McLaughlin can do. He has a little bit of defense in him, a little bit, and then a little bit of defense. And then reality set in very, 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 very quickly. And again, there's always something going to turn once in a while. The worm's going to turn. The. Boston Celtics going into Boston. And this is when the Boston Celtics started to become the Boston Celtics team that at least minimum won the NBA, uh, won the Eastern Conference here. This is when the Boston Celtics were in full force, the best team in basketball at this time, the hottest and most dangerous team in the NBA. 47-28. The record is not that gaudy, but their play was very much so. <laughs> <laughs> did I say 134-112? Yes, I did. Well, I did now. Jalen Brown with 31. Jason Tatum with 34. Derek White, who could get red hot from downtown, with 15. And the Celtics obliterate the Timberwolves. And if the Wolves somehow got out of the Western Conference, probably wouldn't win the finals versus this team. Uh, probably not. And, yeah. They, uh, they're, they you know, from about February on, Boston Celtics, best team in the NBA. Go to Toronto, lost, 125-102. So reality again setting in. That's why the Wolves didn't wind up with 50 wins this year because reality would set in a little bit here with some of these Eastern Conference teams that are not easy to beat, particularly in their house. Gary Trent Jr. entering the starting lineup and giving the Wolves a hell of a time with 29 freaking points. Wow. Gary Trent Jr., guy who at times with Portland couldn't even get in the bleeping lineup, but uh, obviously well-deserved to be in the lineup. Wolves have won their 44th versus Denver, 136-130. Epic battle. Houston win our, one, our 45th. Then you lose to Washington again. What the fudge, Knucker. Then you beat the Spurs. Something's not right about all this. About the math here. Wolves won 46 games, right? So, did we? What the heck? Oh, yeah, because the Clipper game was a play-in. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that's 47. No, the Clipper game was the play-in. Duh. Wolves did lose to Chicago. We got swept by the Bulls this year, which is bullcrap. Yeah, I said it. I said it. We lost to the Bulls, which is bullcrap. Then we beat the Clippers in an epic back-and-forth battle, 109-104. That was a lot of fun. Hear all about it in previous episodes. Paul George at 34. D'Angelo Russell would bring the Wolves back in this one after Colonel Anthony Towns basically did something down his leg along with Anthony Edwards leading the way, who ultimately was the leader out there, more than D'Angelo Russell even. Russell would get hot, make you feel like a million bucks. Look how well Russell did all year versus the Memphis Grizzlies, and look how well he did against the Grizzlies in the postseason. I don't need to say any more about that. The one guy who I thought stepped up more than anybody else, particularly in the postseason, was Anthony Edwards, and I think he's the future franchise player of this team, regardless of how great Carl Anthony Towns is. I think Anthony Edwards has the it factor that other guys in the Minnesota Timberwolves have not had. And I think Garnett actually lacked that it factor at times, particularly early in his career and late in games and such. And you're also going to hear a an amazing line by uh, 
<laughs> Patrick Royce here. I want to play it now. I almost forgot. Patrick Royce with my thoughts on how teams seem to force the ball to certain players late in games and the results. Let me say something about our old friend Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Ungodly in game six. 47 yeah. points. Did everything. Wouldn't let him lose in Boston. But yesterday, I'm watching the end of the game. They're going to have a shot to win the game. And I'm saying to my TV, don't let Butler take the shot. He's going to miss it. Yeah. Because we see that. This team, this idea that your superstar has to take the shot is drives me nuts in the NBA because somehow you're demeaning Somehow, Jimmy Butler would be unhappy if Tyler Hero took that shot and made it. That's right. what the mentality is of the coaches. I mean, that guy was phenomenal. But how the the 60-some games he played that season, you know, they lost. They had a lousy record, the 20. He didn't play. But there were five that they let him take the last shot. And he threw a rock, just like Garnett used to. You used to always let, have to have Garnett take the last shot, and he banged the front of the rim every time. The NBA is so stupid. Let your, you know, let you let them all run to your superstar. Still let him dribble around for five seconds and then take up a bad shot. It drives me nuts because uh, you know Jimmy Butler is a fantastic player, but. He's not the world's greatest three-point shooter. No, no, he's not. What are you letting him take a three for? Let Tyler Hero take the three or Duncan Robinson take the three. Right. The real shooter. Sums it up perfectly as far as I'm concerned how stupid it is. You know, why are you just forcing it? Especially Jimmy freaking Butler. Just watch the video about Butler's game-winning, game-tying shot attempts, basically, with that funny hallelujah song. It's on YouTube, and it just shows you how stupid and how forced it was. And it's just like... What are you doing? And, of course, Butler was that kind of a person. He was going to be that way as long as he's on the team. He's going to be the guy taking the shot if you like it or not. And that's bullshit. Pardon my French. I'm swearing again. I'd like to keep this somewhat family-friendly, but I sometimes I don't. Well, let's see what you guys had to say really quick about the uh, most valuable player, the biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, all that good stuff, at least in terms of the votes. I might leave the comments. In fact, I'm going to leave the comments for, yeah, that's the route I'm going to take for the fan interaction segment. I don't want to kill the fan interaction segment and frustrate some of you. So the biggest disappointment for 2021-2022 ultimately was D'Angelo Russell by your votes, 37.5%. Josh Akogi and Malik Beasley tied. And then the other, please comment. I think there was, uh, who was the other person? Okay, Benzo said Akogi, and I'll read that when we... Uh, I'll read that now, because it's related to that. Okay, yeah, that's only fair. He says, Okogi, because he'd be so valuable if he had a reliable three-point shot. Yeah, that's true. He could be a 3 and D guy. He's one of our best defenders, but couldn't get any run. Meanwhile, our defense got better. Same for Vando for next year. He's already starting to hurt us with his lack of shooting. I, I Unfortunately, I agree with that, um, and that's where I think we need to upgrade. And I love Vando, but something's missing. And plus, he's He's always on the ground basically crying, it seems like. Um, funny, this poll actually didn't expire. I must have made it too long or something. It's this one hour left, and it's a dead heat between Vando and McLaughlin in terms of who's your 21-22 biggest surprise. Feel free to reply with why you made your selection. 
see what people said here. Benzo, yep, again from the Bronx, says, It's J-Mac for me. I wrote him off long ago. Not that he couldn't hoop, but felt there were better players available in free agency. I was wrong. He belongs and is a, a rotational player. Imagine him in, in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely getting the backup point guard minutes and will play alongside starters. Yeah, he's, he's, he was very valuable. Um, and for me, yes, I'll, I'll make the deciding vote on this, and I'm actually going to click on it if I can. Oh, I don't even know if I can. Does it let me? No, it doesn't. That's okay. Well, I'll make the deciding vote since, you know, I didn't even say my biggest disappointment. I do agree with the D'Angelo Russell. I think D'Angelo Russell was the biggest disappointment overall. It's sad because of how well he played in stretches during the course of the season. He was insanely clutch in certain stretches during the course of the season. Helping the Wolves win some big games and win, get some huge wins and some close moments, some clutch moments. But overall, just disappointing, particularly into the postseason and such. Um, sometimes you combine the postseason and the regular season. But overall, people were up and down on D'Angelo Russell all year. So in terms of his money, expectations, leadership role in this, he's disappointing. Uh, Carl could have Carl could have even got it, honestly, but he wasn't on the, the list because that's kind of sacrilegious for some people. In the postseason, Carl and D'Angelo Russell were right at the bottom. They could have probably gone in a dead heat. Um, Jalen Noel got no votes, and there were no others in terms of the biggest surprise. I will decide on Jordan McLaughlin. I had a good feeling about Jared Vanderbilt going into the season, and he ended up being pretty damn good. Um, I didn't know if he was going to be a starter and be as much of a rebounder as he was. But during the course of the season, he gradually got worse and worse and worse, and he couldn't stay freaking healthy. It seemed like he just kept getting more and more banged up. Just, I don't know, he needs more strength. He needs more strength, and I do think there's more to his game. We'll see. Jordan McLaughlin, I had written off as well. I'm with you, Benzo, out of the, out of the Bronx there. Um, I'm with you. So Jordan McLaughlin will be my uh, biggest surprise, in my humble opinion. He's my biggest surprise of the season. Most valuable player, and I do, I'm very pleased with what I see very pleased with what I see because right away the first vote went to Anthony uh, Carl Anthony Towns which didn't surprise me too much I figure a lot of people are going to say that there was even an other and you'll hear about that one in a second but Anthony Edwards wins with 50% alright Anthony Edwards most valuable player for the Wolves for 21-22 and in some ways this might be more of like a future type of thing like the keeper league or future league type of feeling with this but I think Anthony Edwards is the MVP as well. Um, he had have the great moments, this and that. He did have some cold stretches. Colonel Anthony Towns missed time again, and this and that. Anthony Edwards missed very minimal time. Um, reliable, and of course, you can just feel it. And the attitude he had with Jimmy Butler, he didn't let Jimmy Butler get to him. He got back to Jimmy Butler and ended up doubling him up in points. So Anthony Edwards, your MVP, and I think he's going to get many more as we move forward. D'Angelo Russell did actually get a little bit of votes in this one. I put him there because he had some good moments. So I, I figured because I'd see see how many people would actually vote for that for uh, D'Angelo Russell. And yeah, 12.5%. You get another one, though. Uh, the other, please comment. Tanae Brown gives it to Chris Finch. Took a nearly identical roster to what Ryan Saunders had to the playoffs and could have gone further had they not blown so many double-digit leads. Yeah, I, I think you nailed that very nicely. And I was saying, for starters, he stopped with all the crazy lineups. After that, he took more control of the team. Really nice choice, my friend. Pretty cool. Yep, Chris Finch. That was a cool, interesting move there. With that said, we'll take a quick break. And you'll hear on segment 1.5, the recap of the NBA Finals and the playoffs a bit more. 
mostly the NBA Finals. I believe I've been so caught up other than Game 7. Celtics versus the Heat. Yeah, the Celtics won that game. They won in, in an interesting fashion, but extremely frustrating down the stretch in that one. You'll hear about it now, and then we'll move on to the future with the Timberwolves as well in segment number two. back here on Timberwolves Explosion. It's time for the traditional segment 1.5 where I talk about the NBA postseason, NBA finals, all that good kind of stuff. Unfortunately, things just didn't work out quite where I was hoping and I guess I shouldn't be overly surprised unfortunately. I was afraid Golden State Warriors would end up winning the NBA title and and it just ended up that way unfortunately. Um, the way the Celtics opened things up in the the first game, I, I had hopes. I had high hopes. I mean, it was a wonderful first game, to be quite fair. Where it looked like Golden State was going to pull away and the frustration was setting in, like, oh, goody. And then all of a sudden, a miraculous fourth quarter where the Celtics, of course, outscore the Golden State Warriors 40-16 to 16 in the San Francisco area. We won't just call it Golden State and all that. But um, we saw a good defense from the Boston Celtics, despite Jason Tatum not having a good game. And then you saw three-pointer after three-pointer hit by the Boston Celtics. It felt miraculous. It felt wonderful. And thinking, oh my God, they really might beat them. And again, Boston has been the best team in the NBA since about January. So why not? Why don't they just finish this thing off? Why not? Just finish it off, okay? Just go ahead and do that. Uh, Robert Williams is a key block on uh, Steph Curry and some other blocks as well. Four blocks in the game. Now that I've said blocks about 50 times, Celtics end up winning the game by 12 points, and it's just like, yes, they have home court advantage now. They have a real shot at this. Maybe it's going to be Celtics in six. Unfortunately, it winds up being Golden State in six. As, unfortunately, just, I don't know, things just didn't go the Celtics' way, uh, generally speaking. Of course, you lose the second game in San Francisco, Bay Area, whatever the hell it is. Of course, the Golden State Warriors show up and play a heck of a lot better. And, of course, Boston Celtics were just completely out of sync especially in the third quarter, but overall, just not a good game whatsoever. The turnovers and all that would ultimately spell the doom of the Boston Celtics as the series progressed. Jason Tatum, nice rebound of a game, per se. <clears throat> Played a lot better, at least on the offensive end. Uh, but after that, yes, he liked, uh, and Al Horford, who hit all those threes in the first game, only attempted four shots in the game, and none from downtown. Overall, disappointing night for the Boston Celtics, but you kind of figured, okay, fine, fine, it's going to be 1-1. I mean, what are the odds of the Celtics going up 2 to nothing? Uh, the analytics still point to the Boston Celtics winning this series. The analytics and then the eye test and this and that all point to the Boston Celtics winning this despite the home court and, and or lack thereof in terms of Boston. Um, it just kind of felt that way. Boston is going to finish this off. Better defense. Golden State, they're getting a little older, you know, and you know, they're figuring out how to defend Steph Curry a little bit. Maybe, just maybe. That'd be really nice. Boston wins up winning by 16 points in Game 3 to go up two games to one. Oh, it felt so good. Marcus Smart, an unbelievable game. 24 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Very strong defense. Jalen Brown with 27 points. Also had 5 assists and 9 rebounds. 
Uh, four blocks, Robert Williams. Again, Jason Tatum, 26 points, 9 assists. Absolutely getting everybody involved and doing such a great job moving the ball around. Good ball movement, good overall play by the Boston Celtics and containing and frustrating the Golden State Warriors. Curry still made 6 of 11. Yeah, that guy. Blah. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, 1 of 6 one of six from downtown. A very Timberwolves-like game, but of course did block some shots and get a few steals in the game. Obviously, again, Andrew Wiggins is one of the stories. Uh, and I'll get to my little feeling as we move forward. Again, I'm not meaning to go game review, game review, just to kind of get caught up in the feel of all these games. Game 4 was the turning point of the series where Curry went off and the you know, Golden State, or excuse me, Boston had chances after chance after chance in this game to do something, and it just wasn't meant to be. I mean, Boston had a small lead going on. Golden State started pulling away. Boston would have moments. It was a game of runs, but ultimately the Warriors ended up tying up the series. Steph Curry winds up with 43 points, and everybody's talking like he's the greatest player in the history of the world. Yeah, whatever. I think most of you know how I feel about him, especially those of you that are a little bit closer to me. And all that, we uh, text and talk behind the scenes certain people that listen. Obviously, um, Andrew Wiggins with his 16 rebounds. Very strong defense. 16 bleeping rebounds at career high. Thank you for doing that with the Wolves. Absolutely never. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. I believe his, yep, his career high going into this way, formerly with the Wolves, was 11. I'm sure he tied it with the Warriors once in the last two years. Woohoo. Thank you so much, Andrew, for always, uh, you know, giving us full effort every time you played for the Wolves. But, of course, of course not. You know, of course not. Um, 17-16, of course. Again, he didn't exactly shoot well, but Curry did, and it, that was all that mattered. The Warriors pull away, end up winning game four, and ultimately Boston would not win another game in the series. You're hoping and praying, anybody like me that does not like the Warriors, the Boston can go into the Bay Area. Yeah, the Bay Area. <laughs> Whatever it is. And uh, get the job done. And Curry has that 43-point game, much to my chagrin. It's disgusting. It's annoying. I can't stand it. And all of you that are married to this guy, like he's the greatest thing in the history of basketball, get out of here, man. <laughs> Seriously. Andrew Wiggins would have another unbelievable game. In fact, he was the best player on the floor for the Golden State Warriors. Yes, he was, which is really annoying. And Clay Thompson hit a couple of Keith shots late in the fourth quarter, or during the fourth quarter. Boston contained Steph Curry the entire game. They frustrated him. They blocked his shots. He missed this. He missed that. They were on him. They were doing a hell of a job. 7 of 22 overall for that guy, for the rubber muncher, as I call him, because that's what he does all the time, chomping his his uh, mouth guard. 0 of 9 from downtown. That's right. Yep, Boston's got this. You know, Boston's got this. Come on. Curry had, didn't make 1-3. Andrew Wiggins, 0 of 6. That's 0 of 15 between the two supposed best players on the team, depending on how you feel about Clay Thompson, who magically stepped up when it mattered. Yay, I'm so happy he did. I'm so happy he stepped up when it mattered. No, I'm not. It's annoying. Uh, Gary Payton again. Gary Payton the second from the area, just like his father, Gary Payton. You know, the Gary Payton had a really nice game. So, obviously, yeah, again, Gary Payton's from that Oakland and San Francisco area. I believe Oakland, though, not exactly Frisco. Um, whatever. It's wonderful, wonderful. Clay Thompson again, big threes late. And the other major thing, Boston Celtics, in a game when you contain Steph Curry and have Wiggins sucking, at least, well, he didn't really suck that bad, but he sucked from downtown. He had a good game overall, but he sucked from downtown. Um, you figure, okay, Boston should win this game. And they just were sloppy. They weren't making the shots. They are turning the ball over. And that's when you just knew. That sinking, nasty feeling. It felt like Cleveland in 2015 all over again. Oh, goody, the Warriors take the three games to two lead, and they're going to continue 
uh, the momentum into game six, regardless if it's in uh, the Bay Area or in Cleveland or in Boston, in this case, you just knew. You just freaking knew. Yeah, because I remember how that, in that game, I still remember it very well because I have a good memory and it's a painful, crappy memory where uh, Curry and all of them showed up red hot right away in the first quarter in Cleveland and things just kind of just continued in that direction. It wasn't a blowout or anything, but there was never any real feeling like, you know, Boston's going to turn this around they're going to win this game. And that's pretty much what happened in game six. So opportunity of a lifetime. Like, you think about Simon. Sorry if this is a little noisy in the background, but trying not to die of heat stroke in the apartment because, uh, you know, I can't have the air conditioner on. It's not that hot in here. I'm just exaggerating to be silly. Um, from that American Idol or whatever the heck that crap is. Um, I think I moved stuff around here. Hopefully it's a little bit less noise in the background. Um, but Simon from American Idol, when he's like, you're going to, you know, someday you're basically going to remember and wonder how you possibly blew the opportunity of a lifetime by trying to be bad comedians. And in this game, I wouldn't know how to describe it, like trying to be bad comedians. Obviously, that's not what they were trying to do. But trying to do too much on single plays, trying to do too much, so to speak. Just how could you possibly blow the opportunity of a lifetime by just kind of letting it slip through your, just letting it slip through your hands? it just broke my heart because I like the Boston Celtics. I do. I've always been a fan of the Celtics. Uh, I don't know. I've never liked Golden State even before the rubber muncher got there, but after he got there, it's just like, okay, no. I mean, the guy rubbed me the wrong way pretty much going back to Davidson. Um, just something about him. He bugs me, okay? So go ahead and say I'm some kind of a jackass and I don't know what I'm talking about. No, he bugs me. Um, and I'm not the only one, believe me. Believe me, there are people in my life that will tell you the exact same thing. He just bugs them because he's really arrogant, and he is. Um, maybe off the maybe off the court he isn't, this and that. But a lot of the stupid attitude after the game, they sound like a bunch of adolescent pricks. Like, oh, you're down at us, you're down at us. Kind of like how Derek Jeter started changing when the Yankees finally uh, won their next World Series. It was like a while. For the longest time, people saw Derek Jeter as this winner and this good guy, and he's just kind of this quiet leader. And all of a sudden, he was this big jerk when they won the World Series in 2009. When they're like, oh, it's been a little while. And he's like, oh, thanks for being negative. You know, excuse me? Grow up, dude. <laughs> grow, grow up. And some of that talk afterward um, was embarrassing. And this is this is from people that are actually huge Warriors fans found it kind of embarrassing. Yeah, and I'm embarrassed to find out they're Warriors fans. But, okay, I'm sorry. Reese Pedretti didn't mention anything like that to me. But, and I, yeah, I love Reese Pedretti. Pumpa out there. So no offense to you when I trash Warriors fans, just so you know. Just in, Hopefully you're still listening and I haven't pissed you off enough. Um, again, it's just, to me, the whole feeling in this town where everybody is dancing on the clouds for Andrew Wiggins and we're just so happy for him and the Timberwolves making this big happy thing about it where they're showing Timberwolves players hugging, you know, Warriors players as they're walking, you know, at the end of a regular season game since we never played in a playoff game yet against them. Uh, we almost did, but we didn't. We almost did this year, which would have been interesting because um, we're a little bit of a tough matchup for them on occasion. Occasionally. <laughs> uh, we wouldn't get swept. <laughs> but the point is, they were showing images of all that and all like we're congratulating them winning a championship. And it's like, and this is the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is not some fan page or something like that, which would have been annoying enough. Like, And it drives me nuts how many people are going crazy about it. 
seriously, why are we making such a, why are we so happy about it? Like, why are we so happy for the Warriors? You know, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, the Celtics, I don't know, it's one of the most storied franchises in the history of professional sports. It is the most storied franchise in NBA history. Okay, maybe the Lakers are because they've been to more NBA finals than the Celtics. They just are tied at the total amount of championships. Uh, Boston, of course, huge droughts from 1986 to 2008. That is a big drought. Um, and then, of course, you know, 2012's uh, Eastern Conference Championship matchup was the farthest they'd gotten. And, of course, 2010 NBA Finals last time, and they lost that, unfortunately. So it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, you know, emptiness in Boston ever since uh, Garnett held up the trophy and all that. It's one thing if it's Kevin Garnett, who was your franchise player for so long, still disappointing as hell in the end that, that uh, how things just didn't go in the right direction. And everybody had their hand in the salary cap issues of Minnesota, including Kevin Garnett, obviously Mikhail, Glenn Taylor, you know, kind of letting Garnett, uh, you know, <laughs> letting Garnett have uh, as many of his friends on the team as possible, despite the cap situation being ridiculous to, uh, you know, with, with all that. Um, it's one thing you congratulate him when the Boston Celtics won in 2008. Andrew Bleepin Wiggins, though, who you, you know, gave a max contract, and he didn't play like a max player at all. Um, the first two years he was here, Andrew Wiggins looked extremely promising. He'd have these big moments, drive into the basket and dunk it on people. A little bit of Dominique in there with, with the, the spin moves and such. And then by, by year three, it's like it disappeared. It's like, okay, I guess he's just kind of one of the guys. He's just one of the guys, and he's kind of chill, and he's the nicest dude. He's a good dude. He's a real good dude. You know, he's the nicest guy ever. Yeah, he's got a nice smile. So did Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn had a nice smile, too. And I do not want to open up that world. I'm tired of it. All of you out there that constantly have to talk about it, enough. It's time to move on. It's time to move on, okay? As for Andrew Wiggins winning the title, though, I'm not happy for him. <laughs> I'm Maybe I'm happy for the person, and that's it. Just, you know, okay. It, I don't want, you know to necessarily want Andrew Wiggins, the person, to fail. You know, I'm happy that he got something and all that. It's with the wrong team, though. I really don't like the Warriors at all. I just don't, you know. It's just, ugh, it's the wrong organization for me. If he won it with the Celtics, if he won it with the Bucks, if he won it with the... I just like Eastern Conference teams more because we're not playing them all the time. We're not seeing them on the TV constantly and getting worshipped by everybody. That kind of stuff is tiring. The, the endless Steph Curry worship is nauseating. I, you can tell me all day he's the greatest shooter of all time. Fine. I'll grant you that. That doesn't mean I have to like him, though. It doesn't mean I have to like him. It doesn't mean anybody has to like him. There, You don't have to, you know, it, it's, it's, certain people just give you a bad vibe. Sorry, he gives me a bad vibe. And so do many, many other players in other sports and other leagues and in this league as well. Many NBA players give me a bad vibe, you know, just like other sports. Hockey players even could give you a bad vibe, too. Um, so it's not just one sport or one this or one that. Um, Andrew Wiggins, though, again, this to me is like you're in the workplace, you work your ass off, you get your, you know, you get your minor promotion to get to a certain point, but never, you never get out of this current, you know, this current tier. You know, you're kind of stuck in this, in the, in the blue collar tier, working your butt off, like you're plateauing. You know you're better than, than this. You know you're better. And this other person, who's like a level or two below you, who rarely gives full effort, always shows up like at the last second, leaves as early as possible, in fact, cheats all the time, uh, comes, 
goes to break early, comes back really late, really late, goofs around, makes a lot of noise, distracts other people, talks to people most of the time, and guess what? They get the promotion. That's right, they get the promotion, and, I'm, and you're supposed to be happy for them? They get the promotion. They're the, they're the this, they're the that. They're the this technician, they're the that supervisor, or, or uh, you know, assistant supervisor, whatever the heck, and you're stuck where you are, watching this person, and boy, you got to be happy for them. To me, that's what Andrew Wiggins is to me. Just because he's a nice guy with a smile doesn't mean I have to be happy for him. That's what Andrew Wiggins is to me in this NBA championship. It's like he got this big promotion now and everyone's happy because he's the greatest ever because he had a couple of good days in a row or something at work. Now, magically, he's the best. But no, he's not. No, he's not. Um, it's just maybe he had a more lenient supervisor or some bull crap, and now he's in the, you know, the lead role and you're uh, stuck where you are. And that's what it feels like to me. That's what this all feels like. Uh, at the end of the day, and we all got to be happy for him because, because, because of why? Because you said so, right? So that's my my beef with that. Apologize if I sound kind of bitter, harsh, creepy, whatever the heck. But I'm not happy with this championship at all. I'm not happy uh, for Andrew Wiggins necessarily. Again, if I met him, I would shake his hand. I'd be kind to him, and I'd tell him congratulations. But I'm not, you know, I'm not dancing on the clouds. And tearing up, you know, welling up, as they say, about what happened. <laughs> I'm just not. It's a little different when Garnett won. A little different, you know. So with that said, I'll wrap up segment 1.5 with that. I'm not going to say the word. Um, let's hope somebody else wins next year. I'm not going to use the C with the, the big, long word that starts with the C and ends with an S. I'm not going to say it. Um, good luck to whoever beats them next year, I hope. We'll get back to segment. We'll get to segment number two now and talk about the future of the Timberwolves instead of these clowns, and uh, and on to segment three for fan interaction. And there you go. back here on Timberwolves Explosion. Time to look at the draft and free agency a bit. Got some interesting players to talk about. No question about that. NBADraft.net and then various YouTube (laughs) videos definitely deserve credit because I'm not exactly the guy sitting there who's scouting everything. I I wish I was, but unfortunately I'm not. Minnesota Timberwolves at this time, depending on what kind of trade could happen or not, whatever the case is, uh, will be drafting number 19 in the first round. 40 in the second round, 48 and 50 also in the second round. So three second round picks. And right now, the cheat sheet here, NBADraft.net, <clears throat> Jamari Smith's going to Orlando, Jaden Ivey's going to Oklahoma City, blah, 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 blah. It's fun to guess and have fun. What if the Wolves have the number one pick? But we don't, and we're nowhere near that. So can we just move on? We don't need to go on and on about that kind of conversation. It's cute and everything. It'd be fun, but it's not realistic. I'm, uh, and Tankathon, there's, that's always fun to do, but we're not in the draft lottery. So it's good to be out of it, finally. As fun as the draft lottery is, I enjoy it, but it means you had a crappy season. So we can finally move on from that. As of right now, draft.nbadraft.net has the Wolves taking Usman Jeng. Usman, Usman Jeng. 
Um, yes, very familiar last name. No relation to Gorgie that I could tell. He certainly looks a hell of a lot different from Fonze, from Fonze in this case. Uh, we will be talking about him. Otherwise, in the second round, uh, Usman Zeng is what I would classify a wing. Of course, yeah, shooting guard, small forward in this case. Six foot nine, 185. Long, long guy, but uh, we'll talk about him shortly. At the 48th pick, 40th pick, pardon me, they have the Timberwolves taking a 6'3 point guard, 185 out of Mississippi State. He's a junior? Wow. Iverson Molinar. Interesting. Iverson Molinar. Let's look at him. What the hell? Uh, he's not somebody I scouted or anything. I'm not really going to be scouting second round type players because not necessarily, even though it'd be fun to, I suppose, but the Wolves aren't really picking. Uh, or, well, you know, it's, it's much more random and our main pick isn't down that far. Could be interesting, though. Mississippi State, he averaged 3.6 assists. Not too great there, too. Uh, 25% from downtown, but from uh, from two-point range or whatever, 51%, almost 52, actually, 45%. That's not bad percentages. And free throw, 87% as a junior. Again, a junior at the end of the day, average 17.5 points a game. A steal, uh, 1.2 steal, so a steal and change, that kind of thing. Nice numbers and all that. Mississippi State, so we'll see. Uh, he's originally from Panama City, Panama. All right. Iverson, huh? He's rated an overall 90, uh, generally speaking. Defense is rated 8, so that's good. That's good. A little perimeter defense possibly coming our way out of Iris and Molinar. Might be a nice addition, considering what happens with the Wolves, what type of trades could be coming up. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin's a well-liked person. They have the Wolves taking another guy out of France, Ishmael Kamagate, 6 foot 11, 230. He's a center, apparently, out of Fonze at the 48th pick before I get deeper into the other players again that I'm going to actually talk about who could go 19th or possibly around that range. No official ratings on this guy. Again, international player. Did play in France and all that internationally. Did average 11.3 a game. 1.6 blocks. Only 6 rebounds. A lot of these guys aren't big time rebounders, which is kind of annoying. Uh, free throw percentage 65. From the floor, the regular floor from 2 point range. Well, looks like, yeah, he only shot 2 pointers. No 3's shot at all. So that's going to be similar to one of the the, the, the big four, we'll say, we're going to talk about today. I'm going to get deeper into those guys that I think are a very, very, very strong possibility. I wanted to kind of narrow it down where the Wolves, where I believe the Wolves could be thinking at the 19th pick or, you know, moving up to 17 or 16 or 15 or whatever the heck the thought process is. Um, there is a guy out there that uh, I like very much that does not shoot threes at all. And we'll get back to him shortly. So again, that's one of those guys maybe a stash away. We'll see what happens. And Peyton Watson, UCLA freshman, six foot eight, shooting guard, small forward, another uh, wing player <clears throat> out of UCLA. Peyton Watson, elementary, elementary. Peyton, six. Uh, he's a, he's a nine for size, athleticism an eight. So again, a little bit of a little bit going on there. NBA ready, only a six. So not thought of as a guy that's really ready to rock and roll per se. Yep, only a freshman, so that's fine. Only averaged three points a game, so definitely super-duper raw. Played in 32 games, though, 12 and a half minutes, but again, super raw, 36% from downtown. Overall, from the floor, 32%. So we'll see. Uh, they're comparing him to Trevor Ariza or Earl Clark. Interesting. Trevor Ariza or Earl Clark. Um, definitely potential there, and he's another guy you'd kind of maybe you'd stash him away. Not in, not overseas, of course, but in the G League, of course. Peyton Watson definitely sounds like a G League player when you look at what's going on here. Potential, a 9. A 9. So that's a nice second round pick. 
Wade let him develop a bit. Coming out of the draft a little early, maybe back in the old days, he would have been kind of screwed. But uh, thank God for the G League at the end of the day. Sometimes, 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 you know, sometimes you got something there. Milwaukee, Miami forwarded, forfeited their pick. Interesting. Interesting. Milwaukee and Miami forfeited their picks. That's nice. Um, okay. I'm going to go back to Iverson Molinar really shortly. Uh, Sabin Lee. Sabin Lee is the NBA comparison. So, we'll see. His potential is a 7. So, not as much potential. Obviously, he's a junior. So, he's kind of like... He kind of is what he is, kind of, sort of, but there's still a chance. I mean, he's not that... He's obviously not an old player or anything, but older in terms of draft. Got a new fan here. Still have my uh, key nice, but now I got a Holmes here. Cute little thing. Uh, maybe I can bring it closer to my face. That's partially why I brought this one in here, because uh, the weather's starting to get warm around here, and I don't want the loud air conditioner blasting out the podcast. All right, let's get to the feature presentation of this segment and my actual thoughts about some of the main possible names that could be coming to Minnesota. My attempt at scouting, I guess you could say. E.J. Liddell. E.J. Liddell. You've probably heard of him from Darren Dookie Wolfson. Maybe Ben Beacon locally locked on Wolves a bit. Uh, wow, I like this guy a lot. Uh, six foot seven, two forty five, out of the Ohio State. Since you know, I'm, I'm just going to give them, them respect because that's what everybody calls it, the Ohio State. They actually have him here on uh, NBADraft.net, slipping all the way to thirty one. But he fits the Timberwolves' needs in so many ways. He's only 6'7", but he plays big. He plays big, and he is big. He's very physical, him being E.J. Liddell, because I hate when people just say he, 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 he forever. He is from Belleville, Illinois, and his high school was Belleville West. So, again, most of a Midwest lifetime so far for him, for him, pardon me. A junior, though, also a junior, a little on the older side. So that's another thing where he maybe slips because his potential is only a 6. He kind of is what he is. Uh, going forward, no nines in his uh, overall rating. But uh, defense is an eight, strength is an eight. Yep, very strong. He's got some leadership skills. He's NBA ready, he's a nine and uh, eight. Part of me and a rebounding an eight. Blah blah blah. Intangibles eight. Post skills. Yep. Um, they're not the sexiest post skills, and it, his release is a little awkward in traffic, but it goes in. You know, it's kind of a little thick. It's a little flick of a shot. It's a little bit awkward, but I kind of like him. Um, on the big board they have him at thirty three. 22 mock 31. I think he's a definite possible ability coming to Minnesota. Eric Paschel. Eric Paschel is the comparison. But let's hear what I had to say, right? Because that's what you're here for, right? You're here to hear me. Not necessarily. But, uh, well, we all like to give our opinions, and you're more than free to give yours. It'll air uh, It'll air on future podcasts, of course. <laughs> Obviously, if you're listening to this now, it's too late for this one. <laughs> no kidding, right? But in future podcasts, just let your voice be heard. This is not all about me, okay? Let your voice be heard. Simply uh, use your uh, smart device. Open any free voice recording app on your smart device. Basically open it, press record, create it like a phone call, and then when you hit stop, you know, then you want to save it or whatever, and uh, email slash share it to live at yahoo.com. And I'll probably mention that, and I will mention that in the next segment, of course. E.J. Liddell, though, he has an inside and outside game. He is not just a one, he's not just a one-trick pony at all. Um, that's another reason to be kind of excited and he could be more NBA-ready. He's capable of posting up and hitting from the outside. His threes are catch and shoot, but he knocks them down. Uh, yep, he's not a dribble, he, he's not an off-the-dribble swagger kind of guy, and we'll get to that guy very shortly. <clears throat> he's not Zach Levine or anything, no. 
But uh, Zach Levine was damn good in those catch-and-shoots, particularly early on in his career when he was forcing up shots and missing them. Yep, the, the catch-and-shoot develops first, oftentimes. And some guys, hey, there's nothing wrong if you're mostly just catch-and-shoot instead of dribble and all that. See, because E.J. Liddell, you don't necessarily want him trying to break people down off the dribble. You want him catching and shooting, a little 3 and D, that, that type of thing. Um, he's very physical, uh, can get through traffic to the basket. Again, a, a little awkward with his release, but they go in, though. They go in. He's a physical defender. He also had a, uh, he also had 2.5 blocks last year, 2.6 officially. He would help a lot with rebounding, despite being only six foot seven, because his positioning is really good. So I think he could absorb more of that, the shock, you know, the 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 the, the impacts and such versus uh, Mister Mister uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Obviously, he was having a hell of a time uh, uh, absorbing some of the impact, you know, playing on the, playing the big man game, playing fourth, uh, you know, playing the four, so to speak. The annoying part is the one thing that I don't like about E.J. Liddell. Otherwise, I love him to death. Uh, he's only 6'7", but again, again, he's really good at positioning, getting the rebound and blocking shots. I do want some length at the position if you want to have a power forward there, this and that. So that's the one thing that I don't always like. But again, his his wingspan is really good, though. It's a 7-foot wingspan, so despite the fact he's only 6'7", his wingspan is 7. So that's the important part. That's like the strengths that they're mentioning as well. So um, that's why you're seeing 2.5 blocks a game. Earlier in his career, though, the blocks were only at about one. Uh, eight rebounds in 33 minutes a game, so that's good. Um, from downtown, though, almost 38%. What do you think of that? That's pretty good. Almost 38%. That's pretty solid. Free throw percentage is a little under 77. Uh, he gets a lot of offensive rebounds, too, about two and a half a game. He gets a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, you heard that, right? Okay, yep, and he doesn't get into too much foul trouble, only 2.5. So that's kind of cool. He's uh, capable of making some passes as well. Two and a half assists a game. His overall field field goal percentage, 49. But from two-point range, 54. 54. This is all as a junior at The Ohio State. Uh, EJ Liddell is a guy I would strongly, strongly, strongly consider at 19 if I was uh, in the privileged spot that our good friend Tim Conley is. Absolutely love Tim Conley. And, of course, there's updated conversation going on with uh, uh, new players coming in, Lloyd coming in, and others also coming into the front office. We'll see what happens with our friend, uh, <laughs> with our friend, uh, Sergeant Gupta. So, it's, and I feel bad for him ultimately, but uh, we'll see. Heck, he, 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 he might end up getting the number two job in Houston, might end up getting a number one job somewhere else. He almost got it for Sacramento, so pretty cool. Usman Jang out of France. He played in Australia, though, so that's something to talk about. He played in the NBL. Marcus used to call it the No Ballers League, but that's because he was pissed off at Johnny Flynn for, you know, <laughs> having the audacity to be our sixth overall pick in 2009. I'm sorry for talking about that. I'm, yeah, I don't like the guy that went seventh, okay? I hate his guts, but um, still, still would have been a better player than Johnny Flynn. So that's the other annoying part. Um <laughs> And, yeah, to go from being the sixth overall pick to winding up in the NBL, that's why Marcus the Forecaster called it the No Ballers League. So, no no offense. Please don't be offended, Australians. Um, Usman Zhang, because I love you guys so much. Uh, Usman Zhang has very, very long arms. He can change and block shots also. Uh, he's very mobile. Obviously, really good ball handling. And, again, like very mobile, able to move around. He has a nice outside shot. Overall, he's, he's, a, he's a nice passer, can find teammates in stride and all that, some kind of that no-look stuff as well. 
Um, he's more of a perimeter guy than Liddell, but clearly there is something going on here. Um, obviously, Tim Rules fans, a lot of us are looking for the power forward, the big man, but this could be another way to go. This could be another way to go. Um, the unfortunate thing is maybe he'd be in a kind of a, uh, it'd be a little bit of a conundrum because you already have, <laughs> that's the crappy part, you already have obviously Anthony Edwards, who's a who's a wing, like shooting guard, mostly shooting guard, but small forward as well. You have uh, Jaden McDaniels, who's like a small forward, power forward type of thing. But he's not a big guy. He's more of the long athletic type like this young man right here. Um, so you may have a conundrum with Jaden McDaniels. That's the one reason why maybe, maybe we'll see. Unless there's just, you just can't pass this guy up. Like there's something going on here. And I think that could be a possibility. That's where, where the Wolves may end up making a strong consideration to take this guy. Despite the fact two of the best players on this team, future-wise, are Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Jaden McDaniels. They both play the, you know, they're both like wings, so to speak. Jaden McDaniels could be an outstanding small forward for many years to come, and I still say that he is going to be a household name in NBA fan households. Not just Timberwolves fan households, NBA fan households. Not because he's going to be a superstar, but because he's going to be a name. He's going to be somebody people have heard of, like, oh, Jaden McDaniels, he's really good. I'd love to have him on our team. And uh, might end up being might end up being an all-star. You just never know. Uh, um, there's definitely something there. Very athletic, nice ball handler. He plays with confidence. Him being Usman Jeng. Again, same name as, you know, Gorgi, but obviously very different looking. <laughs> the guy that Usman Jeng, me personally here, before I get to NBA Draft Net, he reminds me of Zach Levine. He reminds me of Zach Levine. So all of you Zach Levine fans, stands, whatever, whatever the term is, that love that love him so much and wish he was here. This might be your guy, guys, guys and gals, <laughs> guys and gals. This might be the guy you want. He reminds me of Zach Levine. Some of you might be listening and like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? You're an idiot. Uh, apparently, his size ten. Obviously, the long arms and such. It would be a, a pain in the ass to guard. He'd be very tough to guard with his length, and he can block shots. Uh, his defense is ranked seven, so yeah, he's not an elite defender, but he can block shots, get in there, good ball handling potentials, a nine which is really cool. Uh, there's there's something there. Uh, they compare him to Nicholas Batum. Okay, I can see that. But that's lazy because he's French, huh? You sons of, you sons of biscuits. Just because he's French? No, there there's a similarity. I think I think Usman Jank could be better than Nicholas Batum. Nicholas Batum is valuable. He's good. I'm a little annoyed with the guy for so many reasons. First, he's always hurt and he's overpriced for what he is. Kyle Anderson's the other name. Great size for a wing. He's not big. He's, he's skinny and all that. Kind of like, but he could put on a little bit of strength, I think. Um, I think he could put on some strength for sure. Hopefully, like, you know, like Zach Levine added a little bit of strength, you know, help him in traffic. But plays with a ton of swagger, a ton of poise, and I'm being careful about the whole swagger word. Um, he doesn't block a ton of shots, Usman, but there's something there. Obviously, he's capable of it with the length and all that. Um his three-point percentage was only 27%, though. It's just, he, yeah, he can definitely hit it. He's capable, but I think it's something that would get better as he improves. His overall field goal percentage kind of stinks. Just under 40%. Uh, Two-point range, though, it is 51.4, so that's another thing to note. Maybe shoots a little too many threes, a little bit too, kind of poor shot selection a little bit, maybe jacking up the threes a little too much. So that's kind of the conclusion you come with there. Very, very raw, very, very young, and uh, there's something there. Again, like Zach Levine, early on, shot a little too many threes, and it was kind of meh at times. Um, he's barely 19 years old. May 21st, 2003. Uh, May 21st, 2003, that's about when I got laid off from U.S. Bank. That's how old I am and how young 
Usman Jeng is. That's insane. Uh, NBA ready at six. So he's a guy, again, that's going to take a little time to develop. He's obviously not strong. He's skinny. But there's something. There's really something there. Tons of potential. Um, they up his potential is a nine. I agree with that. Uh, with Usman Jeng. He's a guy I would be like, okay, let's let's go. This could be pretty fun. Nikola Jovic. Nikola Jovic. Okay. We got the guy from uh, Denver who took Nikola Jokic. Yep. <laughs> this guy's from Serbia, of course. Six foot eleven, two twenty five. <clears throat> he slashes a lot. He kind of reminds me of Dirk Nowitzki a little bit. He, he, he kind of does. Not, and I don't mean Dirk in his prime, and he's, he's the next Dirk Nowitzki, but, well, maybe he is. Who's to say? Shame on me, right? Shame on me. Maybe he is Dirk Nowitzki. He has a little bit of that Dirk Nowitzki game, though, able to kind of break, get, get around people, and just he just keeps attacking the rim. Uh, he would be taken on this draft 20th, right behind the Wolves, behind uh, Mr. Zhang there. Uh, his potential is an 8. His size is a 9. Yes, very long. 6'11", 225, pardon me. Super young as well. June, wow, June 9th. Really young. Just turned 19. Super young. Um, happy birthday, Nikola Jovic. Just two days ago. Wow, he was 18. Just a couple days ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm recording. Segment number two, anyway. 11, uh, almost 12 points a game. Only 5.5 rebounds, which is kind of annoying. Uh, freezer percentage 75, respectable. Only half a block. This is in 25 minutes a game, approximately. But 71.4% as uh, from two-point range. 71% from two-point range because he attacks the rim, 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 and attacks the rim, and he attacks the rim again. And, and he's 40% from downtown in attempting almost four threes a game. Very nice catch-and-shoot three shot from... Nikola Jovic. There's something there. Absolutely. Hedu Turkulu and Bojan Bogdanovic of the Atlanta Hawks. I believe that's the one. I, I know there's two of them, and I hope I'm not wrong here. Uh, Bojan Bojan Bogdanovic. Hedu Turkulu. Well, I got that one, didn't I? Maybe back in the day, what I mean. Hedu Turkulu. Turkulu, right? Okay. Oh, well, I thought I had it right. I had to turkle glue. He's going to be a nice player. <coughs> okay, that, that was uh, Sid Harbin. He used to mispronounce names back in the day. Yeah, sorry to make fun of Sid Harbin. He would be 102 today, wouldn't he? <coughs> wow. <coughs> Pardon me. Now I'm doing a Sid Harbin. Shame on me. Um, there is something there, though. Really like Nikola Jovic. He's going to be a successful NBA player, i got to think. He's definitely a slap slasher type, looking to score when given the opportunity. He's got a nice, he's nice on the catch and shoot. Pardon me, long and athletic. He's not super athletic, but there's there's an athleticism there. He's not going to slow you down per se. He's not like yeah, he's not uh, like like Hashim the Beat, and that's the next guy I'm going to talk about. He's not like that guy either. Okay, he came from the same school. Some of you, some of you, that might be a little nudge nudge to some of you that uh, probably guess which school that is and what player I'm talking about. Sorry, um, he can change. He can change and block shots. He can definitely do it. High IQ though, and crazy shooting percentage. He does have a high IQ, and that's partially why his shooting percentage is high. He sees the lane. He takes the lane. He sees the lane, and he takes it. See the lane, take the lane, do the do, and all that, and play uh, play uh, that game. Also, that uh, what was it called? I don't even remember. Doggone it! I hate when I blank it. <laughs> <laughs> that classic, classic uh, arcade game from the early 80s. 
doggone it. <laughs> I have like a cartridge of it for the Sega. No, Sega. I have uh, for the ColecoVision just sitting over here. Maybe I'm going to I'm gonna have some fun here. Yeah, why not? You hear the echo? I'm going to dig in right now. I know I have it in here. Ah, Mr. Do. There you go. Okay, maybe he'll be like Mr. Do. Okay, you could hear it. That's me knocking on a ColecoVision cartridge. Circa 1983, 82, 83. Well, if it says 83 on it, that means it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 83. Yeah, because... It had to be by yeah. It can't be any. It can't be before that. Why would they do that? Yeah, Mr. Do. Of course, it was an arcade game, but it also came out for the ColecoVision and and if you have an Adams computer too. So yeah, <laughs> ColecoVision. I'm talking about the ColecoVision on Timberwolves Explosion. <laughs> take that, take that, Gen Z. You sons of biscuits. Okay, I'm just teasing you. I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I just uh, don't like the music you play all the time because it's not good at all. Um, Nikola Jovich, though, I think would be a really, yes, I'm an old time, I'm an old bitter guy, right? I think he'd be a nice pick. He'd be a nice addition, obviously. He's not going to, I don't think he's going to change the franchise necessarily, but I do think that he could be a very exciting pick. Maybe he will change the franchise. Maybe he is that guy that could make uh, things very special here for many years to come. So we'll, we shall see. A guy, I think I'm almost ready to endorse him as the pick. Almost. I'm that close. I like him a lot. Jalen Duran, ladies and gentlemen. Memphis, 6'11", 250. Very athletic big man who does not shoot threes. Blasphemy, blasphemy. The Ten Commandments of the modern NBA. Thou shalt shoot three-pointers. Thou, yep, that's the first commandment of all the Ten Commandments in the NBA these days. Thou shalt shoot threes. Well, he is breaking the first commandment. So, therefore, Jalen Duran is bad. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Thankfully, there aren't commandments in the NBA, at least that kind. <laughs> um, I, I don't give a damn if he doesn't shoot threes. I think he, his addition to this team would be insane. And when you listen to Mr. Tim Connolly, I call everybody Mr. because I'm weird, on Dan Barrero last week, he went on with a lot of people. He went on with Dan Barrero, he went on with Paul Allen. Of course, Paul Allen's always got to have the, I just saw a firefly fly by in the daytime, you know, when they don't look like fireflies yet, but I know what they look like in real life. Sorry. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, Paul Allen always opens up the first, uh, first part of the show, like getting into silly personal stuff, but that's PA, I don't know. Um, trying to be cute, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but Tim Conley, I believe this was Barrero, if I remember correctly, because I listened to all of them, of course. And you can listen to them on, at your leisure anytime with your podcasting apps. Dan Barrero locally, KFAN, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Talked about the strong possibility of, hey, I'm not against having a, a big man in here that can free up Cat to play at the four. And I smiled ear to ear. Not because I'm just obsessed with big men and that's all I care about and I'm sick of threes. Oh, wait, yes, I am. Okay, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm sick of, like, 50 threes a game. That's annoying. 35's okay, you know? <laughs> 50 threes or something. And every time it's offensive rebound, it's another three and another three and another three. That's annoying. And you shoot 15 of 50. That's, that's crap. Um, but the point is, as I babble way too much, what happened with the Timberwolves years ago when Nikola, when, uh, 
Pekovich, the other Nikola, <laughs> Nikola Pekovich, <laughs> was still on the Timberwolves and was able to play for a couple seconds, <laughs> God rest his career, um, and plug the hole, plug the middle, plug the middle, like a, like the big man he was, was, he's still alive, but you know, his career isn't uh, going anymore. Kevin, it, it was like Cat, Carl Anthony Towns went from what he normally is, he looked like an eagle, he, looked, he was soaring like an eagle out there, and he was blocking more shots, not less, he was blocking more shots, because they were able to kind of move around a little more, be more mobile, having a big guy plugging the middle, and Yes, Cat has more freedom to shoot threes, but at the same time, he's attacked the rim more, too. Kind of like this Nikola uh, Jovic. Maybe Jovic will be on the Timberwolves anyway with Carl Anthony Towns. It could be an extremely fun situation. But as uh, if, if, if Jalen Duran could be added to this team, I, I think you got something going on here that could end up being extremely exciting for the Timberwolves because he's not the kind of guy who's going to demand the ball every second. And he's not gonna he's not gonna slow you down one bit, a la uh, Hashim Dabit years ago came from Memphis, slowed everything down. You could kind of tell when you watched his highlights way back in the 2010 draft or leading into it, uh, 2009 draft. Pardon me, uh, like that guy's kind of slow. And some people have him going number one overall, possibly. Still went, uh, yep, and he went where he did to Memphis. He went from Memphis to Memphis. It was extremely disappointing. Um, lasted about like a year or less. He was so slow, it was like G League right away, or D League or whatever it was called back then. I think it was D League back then. Now it's G League. It was uh, it was extremely frustrating. Um, but fits with the idea of bringing in someone to move Cat to power forward. He runs the floor very well. Like I said, he doesn't slow anybody down. Uh, he's a nice post player with polished moves. He's a legitimate shot blocker. He would be. He would uh, not be slow and boring. Uh, this guy can keep up with the modern game despite no threes. He's a legitimate number five. So Jalen Duran is a guy I'd be all over as a possibility. I'm just about ready to endorse him with the pick uh, because I think it would just be the coolest thing ever should the Wolves head in that direction. At, right now, Jalen Duran would go 17th to Houston, which would mean the Wolves could possibly have to trade up to get him. But man, I think there's something there. His uh, NBA comparison is Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. 6'11", 250. He is a center. 100% a center. Field goal percentage, 59.7. 59.7. Looks like he took a couple threes, but missed them. Probably just screwing around. 60% overall from the floor in 25 minutes. 12 points, 8 rebounds. Ten, uh, 3, pardon me, 3 offensive rebounds per game. Uh, eight rebounds and three of them offensive. 2.1 blocks. Again, just a freshman coming in. Though so my major concern here, the one thing that I don't like very much, 62.5% from the free throw line. Doggone it. So hopefully he can improve on that a little bit because we don't want hack a, hack a Jalen at any point in time in the future. He is under 19 years old. I got to think that free throw percentage will appear, uh, improve part of me. He won't turn 19 until November 18th. November 18th, right around Thanksgiving Day, Sharon Hill, Pennsylvania, uh, Monteverde Academy is where he went to high school, and of course a freshman out of Memphis, Tennessee, the Memphis Tigers, Memphis Tigers, uh, his athleticism is a 9, his size is a 9, big shocker, right, his strength is a 9, another big shocker, potential an 8, I don't think he's a superstar or anything, but I do think he, him being Jalen Duran, could be a wonderful, wonderful answer for the Minnesota Timberwolves going forward. 
as a center. Enough of this power forward talk, but I suppose he could play it. Sure, fine. Maybe you just have, maybe you move him to power forward and have Carl still be the center, but uh, I think he could be absolutely wonderful for the Wolves going forward. Rated an overall 94 on the big board 16th, mock draft 17th for Jalen Duran as a possible guy coming to Minnesota. Other names that you could think about around that range, and again, I keep going to the big men, big men, big men, because the Wolves need a big man, um, but Hey, I, I, I brought up a guy that I compared to Zach Levine, so I didn't just go with big men. He's, he's long. Uh, Walker Kessler, who who averaged about five blocks a game. Seven foot one, 255 out of Auburn. War damn eagle. Yep. <laughs> Incredible uh, shot blocker. Almost five blocks a game. Crazy. Big old son of a gun. Walker Kessler. His defense is ranked a nine. His potential is only a seven. He is a sophomore. But 4.6 blocks a game. Pretty damn good. Field goal percentage, 60. Two-point percentage, 70%. Miles Turner or Cole Aldrich? That's a pretty stark contrast up for comparisons. Miles Turner or Cole Aldrich? Well, Miles Turner's a guy I think everybody on this in this uh, fan base would like. Cole Aldrich, we've been there and done that. And, yeah, he, he blocked some shots once in a while. Mostly for Houston and Oklahoma City, anyway. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad he blocked shots for those guys. That was cool. Uh, Jalen Williams, a possibility. Power forward center. Squashmore, no, sophomore. Out of Arkansas. Arkansas. He is pretty, uh, pretty smaller guy, though. So, well, a little bit. 235, this and that. He's not that small. Um, he's not that small. He's 20 years old. Compared to Bobby Portis or Eldon Campbell. Okay, that's not bad. For a 19th pick in the draft, it's not something I would sneeze at. So, just little possibilities that you could look at as draft potential going forward. Kennedy Chandler, well, no, that's a point guard. I'm looking at the wrong people. Um, Kendall Brown is a name that's been brought up from Baylor. Did not win a national championship with Baylor. Sorry, young man. He was, uh, unfortunately, not there until the next year. From Cottage Grove, Minnesota, of course. Cottage Grove, Minnesota, yes. Sunrise Christian Academy. S-C-A, Sunrise Christian Academy. Just just over 19, turned uh, 19 on May 11th. Again, only a freshman, almost 10 points a game, two assists. Really nice field goal percentage, 63. Solid from three-point range. Uh, he's compared to Alfarik Amino, Mo, Mo Harkless guy, kind of like good motor, all that kind of stuff. Played hard. Uh, very, very, very athletic. Very high potential as well for Kendall Brown. You, you never know. He's, he's like one of those tweener forwards at 6'7", 200. Definitely something there. About two assists a game, obviously, and a guy that would uh, excite a lot of people locally. I'm not sure if that's where Tim Conley's going right out of the gate here is uh, to go with the, the, the homegrown guy, but you never know. Would have been nice if he played for the Gophers, but, well, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully the new guy can uh, get the job done here for Minnesota. Coach Ben Johnson, of course, of the Minnesota Golden Gopher basketball program. We'll get to see what we'll get to see how his uh, recruiting class improves during the course of the season. Obviously, he's got one coaching season under his belt already. Uh, as for that, though, I think that's about it for the draft. Those are the guys I'm kind of considering at this stage. I mean, you can go with the guard, point guard, blitz this and that. I, I don't know. How, how many point guards do we have right now? Three. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded. Uh, Tim Conley did talk about when asked by Barrero, like, are, are you just going to kind of stand pat for now and kind of wait things out for a year? Or are you thinking, oh, why not? Why not make a big move? And 
Kim Conley did say, if there's something there, why the, why not? Why not make things better now? So, cool. We'll see. We'll see if something is there. Tim Conley is willing to make the move. Uh, very, very humble guy. And he kept saying he didn't want to screw things up. He didn't want to screw things And he didn't mean that. Like, in a, he's not afraid to fail, that type of thing. But at the same time, he said, this you know, this current regime, the, the previous regime, did a good job. Unlike David Kahn rolling in, constantly taking side swipes at Kevin McHale every 10 seconds for about, for the five years he was here, four years he was here, uh, taking side swipes at Kevin McHale over and over and over. Oh, the previous regime, look what they did. <laughs> you know, that was stupid. So Tim Conley, heck of a lot more respectful and really appreciate what he was able to uh, bring in his press conference and he wasn't looking to woo everybody or anything either. He just kind of came in with a humble confidence. And that's the kind of guy I like probably more than anybody. You know, the, that is the kind of people I like with a humble confidence, not just rolling and thinking they're on top of the world. And he even said, uh, I forget who he was chatting with. I think this was on the Score North they deal with Mackie and Judd deal. Um, again, because he kind of made the rounds the last few days. Talking about, yeah, he doesn't understand the arrogance some people have out there. Like, what's the point? So that's pretty cool. I just, I love hearing stuff like that. So, Tim Conley, you're my kind of guy. I wish I could uh, have a beer, have a coffee, whatever the heck, depending on the time of day with you, and talk about anything. Talk about basketball and God knows what else. <laughs> That'd be cool if I could just press record on, you know, the uh, the uh, Samsung 22 Plus or whatever. That'd be pretty cool. But, unfortunately, I'm guessing the odds of that are pretty slim to none at the end of the day. John Butler's coming to Minnesota. Freshman. No, he's projected to go 34th to Oklahoma City, but maybe he's the guy we're looking at. He's only 175, though. My God. My God. 175 at 7-1. Man, I feel kind of fat. Really fat right now. That's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, my God, man. You are skinny, young man. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. With that, uh, free agency is kind of tight. It's not going to be the easiest... Uh, thing to do. Ricky Rubio's unrestricted free agent, everyone. What do you think? What do you think? I don't know. Uh, the Wolves cap right now is tough. Uh, I think we're much more likely to make some kind of a trade than sign somebody in free agency. We've never been the destination for anybody anyway. Uh, Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent, if you can believe that. Maybe a sign and trade, but there's all kinds of, there's possibilities of that happening. Uh, Gary Harris, my lord. Unrestricted free agent. He made $21 million last year. But, um, I like Gary Harris quite a bit. Wouldn't mind him as a spark plug type of guy. He's already, what, he's 31, isn't he? Uh, I, oh, no, 27.7. Okay, sorry, sorry. That was Rubio that I'm looking at. Already almost 32. Andre Iguodala, see you later. 38 plus. Yeah, that's enough. Hopefully he doesn't get a ring. <laughs> at least because at the time that I'm recording this, the finals haven't ended yet. You did listen to segment 1.5. Yes, I apologize if that's weird, but that's how the way things are going here. Um, Nurkic is a guy out there, but can't imagine he's going to be too cheap. Uh, Twelve million last year with the Portland Trail Blazers, and all these player options. These guys are bajillionaires. Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, John Wall. That's okay. Uh, John Wall, forty-two point seven eight two. What the flip, John Wall? When's the last time he did anything? I can't believe he's almost thirty-two already. God, time flies. Montrezl Harrell. Who knows? Interesting, but I doubt it. <sighs> Kyle Anderson, well, he could be similar to one of the guys I was talking about earlier. I believe that was uh, Mr. Zheng. P.J. Tucker, he's ancient. He's 37. I don't think so. He's a player option. i got to think he's going to exercise that. So Michael Green's 32 already. Player option with the Denver Nuggets. 
Jarrett Culver is an un is he he's unrestricted, right? Yep, unrestricted because well, people you know the team options and such as you move forward. The uh, yeah, that's okay, Jarrett, but uh, he's only twenty three. Poor guy. Uh, I doubt it's going to happen. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny though uh, if the Wolves brought him back. Louis Louis Lewis Williams Lou Williams Lewis Williams Lou Williams, almost thirty six years of age. Only made five million last year. He's been in the league seventeen years. Seventeen years. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We we kind of went there and did that with uh, Jamal Crawford years ago. He had a he had a couple of really 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 good games and people loved him, but we didn't get any better. Sorry, no offense, Jamal. Sorry, I'm just being honest. Kendrick Nunn. I kind of like him, but he's a player option at five point one. Interesting uh, club option. I don't know for Mister Diallo out of uh, Detroit. I, yeah, we'll just. I don't think so. Um, Avery Bradley, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Wolves make a salary cap exception type of move for someone like that. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder has non-bird rights, so he could be coming this way. You never know. I, I doubt it, but I don't know. Bamba is kind of interesting out of Orlando. He's got bird rights, and he's a restricted free agent. He's not coming here. He's a draft kind of guy. So all kinds of fun ideas, I guess. Jeff Green's almost 36. He will be 36 by the time he signs with anybody or, you know, like, starts playing for that next team. Trey Burke, God, I remember people loved him so much. Um, I know Pumpa loved him, absolutely loved him to death. I think Wayne Hunt did as well. Pumpa, of course. You'll hear from Pumpa in the third segment. Yeah, gotta love Pumpa. Again, Reese Padretti. Gotta love those, uh, gotta love the last name, Padretti. But, yeah, <laughs> Padretti, Reese Padretti. <laughs> yeah, I love Reese Padretti. Pumpa. Love Trey Burke, but of course he hasn't had much of a career in the National Basketball Association. So free agency kind of is what it is. Paul Millsap is ancient history as well. He'll be almost thirty-eight. Man, he only made two point six, but again, he's you know it's he's ancient. Adonis Haslam is older than Adonis. I mean, my God, he's forty-two. Adonis, retire, dude, retire. Okay, Adonis, please retire. Forty-two. <laughs> like me and Marcus were making fun of Juwan Howard years ago. That's flipping crazy. <laughs> we could get Austin Rivers. You know, we could, everything could come full circle, though, with that whole stupid uh, Sam Sam Cassell trade. Remember for uh, Marco Yarich and that seventh round pick? Marco, yeah, well, yeah, our seventh round pick. We gave up a, it was a protected pick, protected pick, protected pick, and finally it wasn't protected to a point with the Clippers. I think it was top three or not protected at all. And the Clippers went up with a seventh pick, just like the Warriors did, and they took Austin Rivers. Woohoo. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't even the Clippers, was it? It was the Charlotte Hornets, I believe. Now oh, I'm getting mixed up. I'm going to look him up. But it'd be funny if the Wolves signed Austin Rivers. He'd be 30 years old. He's, of course, the son of Doc Rivers, who likes to tell people things. He, he can be kind of a pain in the butt sometimes, but uh, well, whatever. I can't believe Otto Porter's 29. What the hell, man? Did you know that yesterday he was this, this nice rookie? Oh my god, that's weird. Uh, Rodney Hood, almost 30. Can't stay healthy. I love Rodney. I just love him, but he can't stay healthy. And it crashed my Firefox. Which tells me, you know what? Probably I should just shut up and move on. I do that all the time when I get into free agency. I start daydreaming and I go on forever. <laughs> Sport track crashed my Firefox. You son of a biscuit, Sport track. You suck. Spot track, pardon me. Yeah, well, well you're Sport track now. You're Sport track. You're not even Spot track. Okay, you get the point. With that said, I don't think the Wolves are going to make any free agency splash, but there might be a trade instead. 
during the free agency, and we might make a cute little uh, salary cap exception move, which wouldn't be the stupidest thing ever. We'll see. We'll see if we get one of the guys we've been talking about for years and years and years, like, uh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, like Avery Bradley. I've been bringing up that name for about eight years now, and I'm not even kidding. Yeah, maybe at least five. Avery Bradley would be a nice addition. Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley. Remember when he was with the Celtics? That was a long time ago. Yeah. Man, it seems like ancient history. He's, he's always been one of those tweeners who can play a little defense and shoot really well. You know, the 3 and D types. Kendrick Nunn, yeah, I I, I've said enough. I better shut up now. Firefox is back up, but I'm going to leave it. With that said, again, really looking forward to things. Who do I endorse for the Timberwolves? Yeah, it's going to be Jalen. It's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be my guy, Jalen Duran, if he's available. I Maybe the Wolves cheered up for a couple picks, or maybe he's going to be sitting there at 19. I'm, I'm endorsing Jalen Duran. I was going to endorse TJ, uh, EJ, EJ, not TJ, EJ Liddell. I was going to endorse him, and you know what? He's my strong second choice. He would be far, he would be, he'd be way beyond just a consolation pick. I'd be thrilled if the Wolves wind up with EJ Liddell, but those are my top two. I officially, on Timberwolves Explosion, State of the Timberwolves 2022 endorse Mr. Jalen Duran as uh, out of Memphis again, six foot eleven, two fifty out of Memphis as the Timberwolves draft pick, if humanly possible, going forward with this draft 2022. There. With that said, wishing you. <laughs> with with that said, we'll take a quick break and we will hear from you guys from here on in segment number three. back here on Timberwolves Explosion segment number three fan interaction segment we'll see how long this goes I don't anticipate a whole lot but eh, there'll be some it'll be definitely more than a regular show absolutely because it's well, state of the Timberwolves first and foremost let's get to T uh, at T-Wolves EX also again recommending the two links in the show description Vigit mostly Vigit <laughs> the Vigit V-I-G-I-T uh, is uh, an application where it's basically like fantasy betting, keeping up with betting with sports and all that, but not using real money wagering, so highly recommend that. The referral is Paladino Live, all one word, Paladino Live, so highly recommend that one. Basically, again, it's like you can bet free coins, win real prizes, it doesn't cost you anything, so highly recommend that. As for the crypto world, I'm sure you're all frustrated with it, though. Prices are cheaper. There is a link in the show description. Either one of those will help the show. Uh, Crypto.com, it's an app. For, of course, Android and Apple devices. Same with Vigit, V-I-G-I-T. Two separate words. No doubt about it. So, at the... <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted already. Okay, <laughs> so where I need to be, segment number three, fan interaction segment, at T-Wolves-E-X, at T-Wolves-E-X. Please give that a follow if you could. Again, the reason why it looks kind of lonely and stupid, like small amount of followers, it's just started in, you know, like a year ago, and you're like, how would that be? How could you have just started this, this a year ago if the podcast started in 2008? No, it's because of the Twitter account. It's a new Twitter account. The other one is lost forever for some reason. We'll leave that somewhere else because I personally don't know what happened either, honestly, other than I guess I'm just not the nicest guy in the world. I don't know, to, in some people's opinion. I don't know. 
There's a retweet from Tanay and Levi Brown, both out of New Zealand. Thank you guys very much. From the most recent episode, 337, Tim Con- Tim Conley, what will will he do what McHale couldn't, basically? Will he do what McHale couldn't? Do check that one out. Also retweeted by Vinrock, Vince Germano of the Courtside Podcast. Highly recommend that one as well. We'll talk about that some more as we go forward. In fact, we're going to hear from Vince Germano right away. He was saying, flog of a bloke. I was responding to, yeah, Stephen A. Smith. I was saying he always has a snooty look on his face, and it never stops. WTF is his problem. I can't stand him. Hashtag ESPN, conference finals, and all that. Yeah, because, uh, what was it, some kind of conversation with the Celtics and the Miami Heat and such. It's like, I'm with them. I'm thinking the the Celtics were the better team and all that. But he'd always have this snooty look on his face when the other person's talking. That kind of stuff bugs me. Just stop it, dude. Just like, again, Steph Curry. Steph Curry bugs me. He just does because he does. Okay? Like you just heard in segment 1.5, and you'll hear for the rest of time, I guess. Okay, maybe I should cut that out, too. Okay, so Nick. Nick Demas, also out of Australia, as I'm playing around with this thing in the background. He said, I've, uh, okay, uh, I was saying Stephen A. Smith wins the argument hands down. It was like right after that, right after I'd been ripping him again. He was talking about the Celtics and everything. Nick Demas 3000, at Nick Demas 3000, again, also out of Aussie, says, I've come around on him a lot, I, I guess, as I get older. He is definitely a loudmouth takes guy, <laughs> but works harder and knows his bleep better than a lot of these clowns. I understand. Yep, I can relate in my workplace when... Yeah, I I believe me, I can. Like, <laughs> lead trainer and uh, lead trainer and inspection trainer. I think I know a little bit more about what scrap is and what isn't scrap than some people. But I try not to be too mean about it. It's just it gets old when yeah, people try to like basically tell you you don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, oh really? You know? Oh really? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I don't. Enlighten me, my friend. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Nick Timas says, great ep again. Great ep yet again. The reason that prospect list, that prospect is listed from G League is the, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, the Ignite is a G League team specifically for prospects looking to make the NBA as an alternative playing to playing overseas or in the trash as NCAA in their gap between high school and the NBA. Yep, so yeah, it's interesting how they kind of go pro early. It's like baseball or hockey. Maybe they jump to the AHL in hockey. Or they jump to, uh, which was, which is extremely rare, actually. That's usually juniors in hockey, actually. Yeah, where they don't go to college, they go to juniors. Because, yeah, that's yeah, a bad comparison. You can't go to the AHL until you're 20 years old. Yeah, so terrible comparison already. I suck, right? <laughs> but in baseball, yep, guys go, some guys go to college, and other guys just start off in the minor league system, like, you know, rookie A, and then A, and double A, triple A, and blah, blah, blah. And then hope to get called up and all that, and maybe end up being a star. Yep, so that's that makes sense. Yep, how it's it's interesting though how that didn't happen not that long ago. That guy's like, oh yeah, he plays for the Ignite, you know. Really? He plays for the Ignite in the G League right now? Wow. Okay. So I guess no Duke, no uh University of Minnesota. It's like, God, I hate that. <laughs> I love when Darren Dookie Wilson always has guests on from Minnesota going to different schools, like it's such a wonderful thing. Like, ugh. I know, I know. You don't want to do. You don't want to be like Sid Hartman and completely disown them. And who gives a crap? You'll never make it here in Minnesota. Yes, that was kind of stupid too, from Sid Hartman when he said that. But uh, seriously, at the same time, I'm not celebrating somebody that's basically, you know, basically like thumbing their nose at us. Like, bye bye. I'm out of here. I'm going to Arizona. Na 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 na. Or I'm going to wherever. And it's really annoying, especially Wisconsin. 
It's like, for God's sake, stay here. <laughs> it's so annoying. All right, so... Looks like that was a response to something. Uh, okay, yep, that was Nick Themis responding to that most recent episode that was put out. Benzo liked and retweeted that. Yes, yep, and because thank you so much. Uh, Benzo's out of uh, the Bronx, and he liked and retweeted what uh, Nick Themis had to say. Rodman, I believe he's local, at Rodman99, and yes, we follow each other, it says Minneapolis, Minnesota. All right, so a local. I'm not sure if he's a listener, maybe. Uh, let me know, Rodman, if you happen to be. He says, okay, I was ranting about something, because I'm always ranting about something. That's why it's Timberwolves Explosion. Money, status, and image have taken the charm out of professional sports, especially the NBA, that will never truly return again. Yeah, I mean, because it seems like everybody's just kind of about how they look, what sunglasses they're wearing at a press conference, and what color tie, or what fancy tie, and what shoe color, shoe of this color, that color. What new suit they're wearing? Can you just play basketball? Seriously. Can you just play basketball? That's all. I'm not going to call anybody a clown or anything. But just play basketball. That, that's all. Like, why does it always have to be about fashion, 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 fashion? I don't give a crap about fashion. I would just probably dress kind of relatively casual if I could. I'd try to avoid wearing a tie. And I wouldn't get glasses without lenses in them, by the way. And I wouldn't try to make a fashion statement out of glasses. Glasses are glasses. Like, why? I don't know. That's just how I see the world, I guess. I'm just different. I'm more low-key about that stuff. Rodman says, while I agree, I think there's still a charm to developing later picks, second-rounders and unrestricted free agents, and building a young team. Okay, thank you. See, that's kind of cool. You know, where you don't have all that ultra-star image 24 hours a day. I was saying I do like that, but the whole personality and all of that just isn't what it was. Yeah, like guys like, you know, it seems like they're just more interested in, well, I, hey, I make $30 million a year. Fine. We, we lost in the conference final or whatever. We lost in the NBA final. Whatever. Bleep happens. Life goes on. You know, I've still got my, you know, my, my yacht in, you know, in Hawaii or whatever. I still got my, my mansion in, <laughs> in, in, uh, Wherever the heck in California, somewhere fancy in Atlanta, I would never have a mansion in Atlanta. It's too humid. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. I'd take California or something like that if I was going to be by an ocean. But that's me again. Um, I was saying also, like it's interesting to think that this was the third time the Celtics and Miami Heat tipped off in the east in the. I put Western Conference Finals really, Eastern Conference Finals dating back to a uh, seven-game series back in 2012. Miami won the first two, and Boston finally got one. Because, yes, Boston and Miami had their rematch eight whole years later, completely different rosters and all that. Um, yeah, that was Kevin Garnett and all them. That was kind of their last stand, their last attempt to get to the NBA Finals when LeBron James had that huge 45-point uh, game, six, in Boston to defeat the Celtics in the sixth game, forcing a seventh game. And then, you know, the Celtics just kind of ran out of gas in that game. Um, and then the Heat finally... Went on and won a championship. They beat those freaking Thunder right in the ground. Because back then I saw the Thunder exactly the way I see the Warriors today. Every single three-point shot West, Russell Westbrook, James Harden made. They had to do some kind of dance or whatever. Like they're at a nightclub. It's like, would you just stop? <laughs> Stuff like that is tiring. So I know I'm a dork. Or I'm not a dark, a dweeb, or whatever you want to call me. Fine, I'm not a super sociable guy maybe about stuff like that. I don't think it's that cool. Just play basketball, that's all. So, now I think 
I, I may have mentioned this in the first segment, and I'm kind of 90% sure, but I'll kind of bring him up again. I was talking about your biggest disappointment. Benzo was saying Okogi because he's he'd be still viable if he had a reliable three-point shot. He's one of our four, uh, one of our best defenders, but couldn't get any run. Meanwhile, our defense got better. Same for Vando for next year. He's already starting to hurt us with his lack of shooting. Yeah, yeah, see? Like Vando, yep. Um, I like guys that can at least run the floor really well. Like, again, the big man I mentioned in segment number two, of course. Um, D'Angelo Russell did end up winning that. Again, I, this is, again, a replay for some of you. That <laughs> Because I'm guessing a lot of you are listening to this um, at different times. I'm doubting you're all listening to it in one session. Just kind of come back to it, continue this and that. D'Angelo Russell, 37.5%. Josh Okoge, 25 Malik Weasley, 25 And other, 12.5. 12.5. Okay, let's continue. Let's back up and continue. Yep, and then Benzo uh, said it's Jay Mack about the biggest surprise. And yes, he ended up tying with Jared Vanderbilt. 50-50, and that was it. No Jalen Noel or other, please comment. 50-50, McLaughlin and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, the deciding vote for me goes to Jordan McLaughlin, if I get to give this deciding vote. Because Jared Vanderbilt kind of popped up a little bit last year, even though he was surprisingly better than ever. After a slow start, he just took off. Jared Vanderbilt had a really slow start, actually. And then he just exploded and became a, a Rodman-like rebounder. And then, somewhere in the middle of the part of the season, he started to get banged up. He was never the same again. And that's kind of heartbra- uh, heartbreaking, where McLaughlin just kept getting better and better and better to a point of where it was like in some situations, people like Trent Tucker, the professor of hoopology, if you've happened to have heard of him, said he would like Jordan McLaughlin to be the starting point guard of the Timberwolves next year, that he's comfortable with that possibility if the Wolves uh, deal away Mr. Uh, J-Mac, Jordan McLaughlin. Benzo says, it's J-Mac for me. I wrote him off long ago. I did too. I did too. About a year and a half ago, I was like, eh, whatever. Third string at best. Uh, He says, not that he couldn't hoop, but felt there were better players available in free agency. Uh-huh, I agree. I was wrong, and I agree with that as well. I agree that we were both wrong. <laughs> he, be- he belongs, and is a rotational player. Imagine him on Boston right now. Yeah, definitely getting the back point guard minutes and well playing alongside the starters. Yeah, that was one of the undoings of the Boston Celtics because they couldn't flip and get the ball up the flipping court. Almost cursing my head off right now as I'm saying this. But yes, this is after, yes. <laughs> 1.5, obviously, was after the finals, and segment three, after the finals. I'm The only good thing about that series coming to an end and not forcing a game seven is I can get the show done this weekend right away. I can get the show done now, Saturday, and all that. Saturday, maybe, I don't release it till Sunday, we'll see, but hopefully Saturday uh, it's released. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's the only good thing. That I wouldn't have to drag into like into the week because game seven would be Sunday night and you know there's all that. Um, <clears throat> by the time the game would be over, it would be kind of late to record and yeah, <laughs> and creepy people upstairs wouldn't be real happy about the little extra sound. I just clicked on the wrong thing. That's terrific. Stupid. Well, but with that said, again, yeah, I, I know I'm kind of rehashing something. Yep, Tony Brown is saying Chris Finch about the MVP. Yep, and then Anthony Edwards ultimately won at 50%. Carl Anthony Towns, 25. D'Angelo Russell, 12.5 and other. Please comment. And I do believe Tony Brown was that vote. Chris Finch was, was one of the people that voted for other or whatever. Chris Finch took a nearly identical roster to what Ryan Saunders had. 
to the playoffs and could have gone further had they not blown so many double-digit leads. Historic, again. And I was saying, yep, and I responded with, for starters, he stopped with all those crazy lineups. After that, he took more control of the team. A really nice choice, my friend. Yeah. Yep. He took more control of the, yeah, the team and all that. And again, like power forwards playing power forward, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's nice and everything. Just play power forward or, you know, or shooting guards playing shooting guard instead of power forward. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Vince Germano, again, of the Courtside Podcast, highly recommended. Oh, where are you guys? Man, they get busier than I do. <laughs> yeah, they get busier than I do. I'm busy, but I always kind of find a way to squeeze in time for podcasting or swimming or whatever the heck. Um, hope you guys are all right, and uh, they'll keep recording those again on all the same apps that uh, that, that you find Timberwolves Explosion on. You will find the Courtside Podcast with Wayne Hunt, the Alpha Dog, who is a Memphis Grizzlies fan, but a very friendly one. He's not our enemy, <laughs> obviously. Vince Germano, who's a Laker fan, but a friendly one. He's not our enemy. And Stu Benson, Laker fan, who's a friend and not our enemy. Um, yeah, they don't trash the Timberwolves or anything like that. They tease each other on the show, of course, back and forth, uh, you know, but mostly it's not just about we're talking about the Lakers for four hours or the Memphis Grizzlies for four hours. It's about just ongoing NBA conversation, and they'll have fun with their teams as well uh, should the topics head in that direction. Sorry for babbling so much, but hey, got to give them a huge plug because I love them to death. I love you guys to death. I'm saying that sincerely. Vince Germano's out of Melbourne. Stu and Wayne Hunt are out of, Stu Benson and Wayne Hunt anyway, are out of Sydney, Australia. Perhaps you've heard of it. <laughs> Corey Homicide Williams, who is also from Australia, but uh, he's like a, uh, what is his role? He's like a, some kind of like a reporter, right? Something like that. Um, international pro analyst. Yep, okay, yep. Yeah, pro analyst, like keeps up in the NBA. That's what that was the word I was looking for. Um, and he's from Aussie, up there in Australia. He was saying one of the greatest NBA players to lace him up come through to a Foot Locker QV store and showed love to Burn City. Shout out to the whole world, <laughs> to the whole uh, Foot Locker fam for stepping up big time today. Proud of y'all, of you all. Shout out to Damian Lillard for pulling up. Yep, Damian Lillard showed up as well. So, very cool. That's what Vince Germano was excited about. He was saying, great man in the greatest city in the world. I take it Melbourne. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Because it doesn't actually show the actual city, or unless I'm not paying attention. But, uh, yeah, Melbourne, Australia. Gotta love it. Random hoops. That would be Reese Pedretti, or Pumpa, <laughs> out of Brisbane, Australia. That's right, Brisbane, Australia. And he is a Golden State Warriors fan. But, again, a good, a nice one. He's not our enemy. But I was kind of too much of an enemy to the Warriors, and thankfully, thank you, Reese, for putting up with me. I apologize. Reese Pedretti, pump up. Thank you. I was saying can't stomach this right now. Bleep the bleeping Warriors as things were heading the wrong direction. And, uh, yeah, I believe that was game five. Man, it's been that long already because of the big breaks in between. He says, ha-ha, mate, you make me laugh. I love your passion. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Papa, for, for that. I, I love you, buddy. Uh... What was I saying? I was saying I definitely appreciate that. I'm sorry if I go way too far with it sometimes. And then he said, no, you're good, mate. I can see this going seven games. And, well, the Warriors did what they did in 2015. They said, no, we're not going to game seven. We're just going to come out and close it. They pulled a Chicago Blackhawks, like what they used to do, what they do in the NHL when they were actually good. 
they're up three games to two and they go on the road for game six and they're like, no, we're not going to game seven. We're not even taking a chance of a possibility. Like something goes wrong, we're closers and they closed. And and they closed. Yeah, they closed. Levi Brown hurt my feelings. Uh, I said, can't. yeah, that's the same thing. Responding to the can't stomach this right now, bleep the bleeping warriors. Yes, I got a little too vulgar on Twitter. I do sometimes. I try not to, but my competitive side comes out and I get a little nuts. Levi says, I put money on the Warriors to win it all early in the playoffs. Look at you, Levi. But, well, congratulations. <laughs> I'll say congratulations to you, not the Warriors. Um, we put money on them early just so I'd be less frustrated when they probably win. Still hoping I lose that bet, though, which is, that sounds funny, but you know, it's like one way or another, you're, you'll be okay. Like, cool, Celtics won, or awesome, I made some money. Yep, I, I hope... Uh, Hope you did. Hope you did well with that. Yep. I mean, I probably should do more bets. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> I was saying how the endless Steph Curry worship is beyond sickening. We get it already. Yep. I believe that was after Game Four when Curry just started hitting everything, uh, or they were researching it and everything, and it got disgusting. I got sick of it. Um, so that had to be around Game Four when this comment was made. Rodman locally said, might I interest you in some Wiggins hype? He had 15 rebounds. I'm like, no. I was saying, can't stand any of it. Wish they were out in the first round. Hopefully this is the end of this garbage. I, yeah, I'm saying that with full sincerity. I did fear that there was a small possibility this team would jump up again and win one more. Hopefully that's it. I hope that's it. Four is enough. I don't want them to get into the Kobe Bryant territory. I'm sure Vince doesn't either, or Magic Johnson, guys like that. Yep, I, yeah, no, please, please, no, please, please say it ain't so. <laughs> yep, I was uh, saying the Celtics are absolutely blowing the opportunity of a lifetime tonight. It's making me nauseous. This was game five. Game five. Uh, I'll be absolutely blowing the opportunity of a lifetime. It's making me nauseous. Get your heads out of your ass. Levi said, so many horrific turnovers. I responded with, extremely disappointing. They had that little prick contained all night. You know who the little prick is, right? Yeah, the one that everyone thinks is the most likable player ever. <laughs> they had it contained all night, and they blew it. Still blew it by turning the ball over and getting beat by other players. Can't stand that stupid smile on his face. Yeah, he had that demented-looking, devious smile on his face on the bench. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll get out of here. That pissed me off. Conversation here. Yep, the Lakers. Interestingly, yep, because of Vogel, this is when Darvin Ham had been hired around that time. Darvin Ham, the new coach of the Lakers. Here's something for an old memory before I get into this. An old memory, because my memory is absolutely nuts. Darvin Ham was on the Phoenix Suns, if I remember correctly, at the time. And again, didn't get a whole lot of playing time, poor guy. This was in the early, early Garnett days, uh, late 90s, because...
Kevin Harlan was still the Timberwolves announcer, so that had to be pre-99, like lockout 99. What a depressing time that was. All the things that changed in that time period. Kevin Harlan left. Stefan Mar, uh, Tom Gugliotta left as a to be a Phoenix Sun. Stefan Marbury left a month or two later to, you know, because he demanded a trade. What an ugly couple of events there. But now I'm triggering this memory. I apologize. Kevin Harlan was still the uh, voice of the uh, Timberwolves on radio and television, depending on, you know, what the situation was. If the Wolves were on network TV, Kevin Harlan was on. Otherwise, he'd be the main radio guy. Um, so the whole point is that um, Darvin Ham broke his nose in, in a game against that, that uh, late 90s Timberwolves team. Uh, he broke his nose. I forget what exactly happened. It's one of those physical plays where everybody's kind of crashing into each other, going after a ball. Um, somebody's elbow went into Darvin Ham's nose, I do believe. And I remember, I was like, I felt so bad for the guy. It's like, man, he barely gets to play, and now he's got a now he's got a broken nose, and he's screwed. Like, I just felt bad for the guy. So that's how I remember him so well. Was one of those plays. That's one of the ways I do remember him. So I just felt for him, like a guy that. You know, was kind of just, uh, just kind of like a tenth man type of guy, and then he's screwed. Now he's out forever. Now with a broken nose, like that had to suck so bad. But here he is, head coach of the LA Lakers. Vince Germano says, but Frank Vogel couldn't coach. Apparently, give me a spell. Uh, Lakers Daily tweeted out, and this is Vince of course sharing it. The 2019-20 Lakers were crazy. 52. And O went up after the third quarter. That is insanity. Um, that's what happens when the Lakers are healthy. I simply said it doesn't get better than that. And Vince responded with, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, because that was my old, yeah, he was imitating me from back when me and Marcus would be on. And Marcus would have those dry spells where he'd be kind of talking. And then he'd just suddenly stop talking. He'd be like, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Then I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> or he wouldn't respond. He'd just kind of nod to like something I just said. He just kind of just be like, "Yes, sir." So yeah, it was kind of funny. All right, so we're getting near the end here. Mercifully for some, sad for others, I suppose. I was saying for those of you cheering for Andrew Wiggins, what's wrong with you? Ali Sidikai locally says, "I'm rooting for Boston, but I don't mind if he and Golden State hold on." I was saying, what did I say? I said, bleep that. I was cursing or something. I just I just couldn't take it. I said, no, bleep that. I can't stand the Warriors. And then I replied with, sorry for sounding harsh. Those guys bring out the worst in me, about as unlikable as I've ever seen. All they said to Kai says, no problem at all. Um, at least Curry doesn't do that wiggle worm dance crap that he did back in the early days of the Warriors, especially in 2016. I mean, what an obnoxious little bleep. An obnoxious little F. Like, that year... The Warriors got every damn thing they deserved when they lost Game 7 at home <laughs> to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, that was one of the happiest days of my life as a sports fan. Almost, I mean, it was not that far off from seeing the 91 Twins win the World Series. Not that far. I mean, that was really something. Partially, I was happy for the city of Cleveland as well, who had just, you know, you just, who unfortunately, just a couple of months later, would have a heartbreaking loss to the other, you know, droughted team in professional sports. The, um... Chicago Cubs. I will digress to where I need to be. Um, this got interesting as well. All Things Wolves said, honestly, good for Wiggins for winning a chip. And he's local, by the way. Never had a problem with him in Minnesota. Just never worked out. I was saying, sorry, don't agree. 
all things Wolves responds with, he was lazy and never worked hard defensively while never play, uh, playing to his potential, but he was a good dude. And I was like, what? Really? I said, you're cheering for him. Why? Because he's a good dude? Come on. Uh, Wolves' weirdest team ever, fan 329, interesting number there, says, how was he a good dude if he was lazy and didn't work hard at his job? In any other profession, the guy gets fired and quickly is hated by everyone while he is employed. These days, it seems like people like that get away with murder, unfortunately. But not that long ago, people actually got frowned upon for being lazy. Nowadays, people are most the most popular people at work are lazy, at least where I work, it seems like. Um, all Things Wolves responded to that comment with, I despised Wiggins at the end of his tenure, just like everyone else, but the off-court Wiggins was a good dude, and that's why I'm happy for him. Well, that's your opinion, I suppose. <laughs> what did I... I swear I responded to... Uh, I thought I did. Maybe I just liked it. I'm, I apologize. I thought I did. To a weirdest team ever or whatever. Yeah, they are pretty weird, aren't they? They are pretty weird. Um, yeah, there's a reply somewhere. Yeah, I was saying, no problem. I'm with you on that one, 100%. In my opinion, it's impossible to like that team. They define arrogance. Oh, okay. Uh, All Things Wolves said, never said I was cheering for him and I wanted the Celtics to win. I got nothing against Wiggins, but I got everything against Warriors fans and media that think he was better than he actually was. Yes, thank you very much. And that's why I was saying no problem. I'm with you 100% on that one. In my opinion, it's impossible to like that team. They define arrogance. Yeah, they do. I think that's the end of that group. Yep, and then final, final little thing. Off Timberwolves, of course. Lakers Nation tweeted out, and against Vince is sharing it. Hashtag Lakers reportedly have interest in acquiring Bradley Beal this summer. It doesn't hurt to try. And then Vince says, we trading AD? It must be because of, uh, obviously, salary cap reasons, because you can only have so much space. But, again, <laughs> and, yeah, well, the other thing is, as well, there's another reason. I was saying, I swear, AD has been a massive disappointment other than the championship season. Vince responded with exactly how I feel, made of glass, made out of glass. Yeah, can't freaking stay healthy for his life. So, pretty ridiculous, pretty frustrating. I feel you 100% Vinrock Vince Germano. We've had players like that on our Minnesota teams forever. They're just driving nuts. Byron Buxton, blah, blah, blah. Of course, now they're playing him less, and he's staying healthy. So, they're actually doing something right all this, and this crazy nerdy analytics team, or dweeby, they're not even nerds, they're dweebs, uh, and analytics team with the uh, Minnesota Twins that, uh, you know, they know too much, I guess, about this and that. Um, at least something's working this time. Of course, taking out a pitcher after he throws the ball three times or something, he th he has like three good innings, and it's like, up, oh, up, oh, yeah, too long, yeah, you, you gotta take the starter out. Okay, different sport, but um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. With that said, that wraps up the Twitter. There's, I think it's mostly just likes on Facebook. Yeah, just kind of likes. No shares even. Look at you guys. But it seems like most of the actions on Twitter. Final thing, though, that I did talk about with the whole uh, situation. Carl Anthony Towns moving to power forward, or maybe having a power forward next to him. But I think Carl at power forward could really make things super interesting. Uh, Dane Moore, I think I did talk about this, but I'll bring it up again. Just in case, uh, Tim Conley on Carl Anthony Towns and potentially using Cat as a power forward next season, next to a more traditional center, which is what I would like on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, the question was, could you put another true big next to Cat to help address the size slash rebounding issues? Mr. Tim Conley, president of Timberwolves, uh, you know, 
yeah, president of Pimrose Basketball, says, I think the neat thing about Carl is he's so unique. He really can be effective at the four or five. I think a lot of guys his size are one position guys. He's not. I mean, offensively, he can play anything. He's such a unique offensive player. I think at times he looks really good next to a traditional, uh, to a more traditional five, and they're doing things. They have some rim protection, protection, pardon me, certainly defensive rebounding, something you've referenced. They can take some of the pressure off him because we ask so much of him offensively. So I think it's a question that our staffs will talk about a lot. Ultimately, it will be a decision that Chris Finch will make. Interesting. But I think when you have somebody or someone as unique and uh, unique, uniquely talented and versatile as Carl, it gives you a lot of options, which is awesome. That is awesome, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that means you can be dynamic. You can be flexible. That's important, I think. And I'm telling you, I'll never forget the way Vince Romano made, made a point to ask me, how did Cat look next to Nikola Pekovic? Because Nikola Pekovic plugged the middle. Just because Nikola Pekovic isn't really an athletic guy who's blocking shots. Now, just imagine an athletic guy who's blocking shots, who's also a traditional and bigger type of guy. More of a physical, big type of guy. But just the fact he was there and a presence, um, you know, and offensively as well, how he could plug the middle. Carlton Towns looked like an eagle. He went from a cat to an eagle out there. You know, cats have claws, eagles have claws too. And uh, yeah, he could soar. Carlton Towns was soaring out there. He was blocking more shots. He was getting more rebounds. And he was able to utilize his, you know, his, you know, stretch game. And it was so much fun to watch. And it just seemed like he was attacking the rim better. He was more versatile. So I'm telling you, but Nikola Pekovic couldn't bleep and stay healthy. He was made out of glass, all right. He was made out of, uh, well, he was also possibly made out of concrete as well. Uh, concrete that broke easily. Yeah, because he was heavy kind of type of guy. Okay, he was made out of glass, um, was Nikola Pekovic. It's too damn bad, or he just had too many chronic issues, basically, chronic ankles and all that. It's a damn shame because it was a really nice combination for those couple games uh, where Pekovic was able to go out there and play center with Carl Anthony Towns at power forward. The fact that Vince Germano pointed that out to me, well, you know, made the point to ask me, how did that look? And I remember I went home that night because I had to watch the replay. It was just one of those kind of games. Well, I still remember looking at the stats and I was like, oh my God. And then I watched it and then my jaw dropped and it's like, oh my, do you guys see what's going on here? And I still remember talking about it at the time. Next thing you know, Pekovic is out, and that was about all she wrote about centers next to Carlton Towns after that. So, pretty freaking awesome, to be quite freaking frank. I might as well finish this long granddaddy episode with that thought, rather than stumbling all over myself and sounding weird, <laughs> like I tend to do at times. With that said, again, thank you so much. Please tell your friends about the show. It would be greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated, all of you that have been supportive of this show for many, many years now, and I hope to keep doing it for as long as possible. Thankfully, the politics have quieted down a little bit, but yeah, not that the world is any better either way, <laughs> but uh, the politics have quieted down for the time being. Hopefully that stays that way. With that said, any of you, please do... Uh, <laughs> Please do mention the show to your friends. Please write a positive rating on iTunes. Um, 
Audacity is another one you can write one or, or have a star rating. Same for Spotify and uh, Stitcher. Those are different uh, possible avenues where you could uh, write a review of the show. Again, please share it, retweet it, all that good stuff. Tell your friends if you could, especially this episode, because it, it's, you know, it's a little extra work put into it. So I just really appreciate those of you that have over the years. God bless you. With that said, wishing you a wonderful, wonderful summer for those of you locally. Uh as we head into actual summer now. And unfortunately, some of you guys are in winter there in Australia, New Zealand, places like that. So it kind of is what it is. Maybe some people from China are listening. It's kind of a similar situation. Um, but it is what it is. Hey, and those of you out there, maybe I've never heard from you before, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. At TWolvesDX, Facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. Hit me up. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, I just, I love meeting people that listen to this show. You guys are just the greatest, and I really appreciate it. So with that said, it's going to be not too long. We'll have a draft review, free agency, and all that conversation coming up in uh, you know the next few weeks, something like that. Um, won't be too far off because, well, the draft is coming right up. <laughs> with that said, hopefully the Timberwolves are able to make the right moves, and it'll be fun to keep up with. We'll talk about it next show. Take care, everybody.